Welcome to the GCW Plant Podcast, episode 66. How are you doing tonight, John? I'm feeling really good. We're trying out this little live thing for just a minute as a little test. So uh, I don't know how much you wanted to mention about that. Yeah, uh, we got the graphics coming our way. Hopefully this week we'll get the full one. But in the meantime, we're kind of testing out what we were going to use to go to live with some uh, generic ones that they uh, have on there. We're testing out right now live on Twitch.com and uh, see what happens. It's fun, though. I like all this, the possibility that's going to improve, I think, the podcast once we go live. All the cool things that's going to be uh, different from our audio podcast. I'm really much, uh, very much looking forward. Uh, so... Uh... God, we had a busy weekend. Three shows. There was a. There's like so much going on that weekend. Yeah, and I think we this had, was uh, one of the funner uh, ones that we're covering tonight. I think the card, as you said, the last podcast was way better than the card on paper than we got uh, in LA. So that this one was the uh, one I was looking forward to covering from this weekend specifically. Yeah, because we were looking at uh, Thank Me Later on Friday night in. Uh, or I'm sorry. GCW's Ride or Die in Chicago. Then Saturday, we had GCW's Mastermind. And then GCW versus New South 2 on Sunday. It was just, it was so busy. So, you know, we're going to have a busy week up ahead here. And kind of looking forward to it a little here. That's a lot of work, let me tell you. But um, this Chicago show, it was, yeah, everything that for me, I wanted on our LA card. There was a ton of great matchups on this card. Uh, cartwheel versus Arez, Jordan Oliver versus Commander, the Kingo versus Metalik, and Gringo versus Christian were the four matchups on this card. I wish somehow we could have seen live in LA, you know, in a perfect world. Yeah, on paper, that like I know you were talking about it, how crazy that lineup was, and going back and watching this lineup, yeah, I uh, there's a couple of, a couple of matches I actually did rewind because it was like. This is awesome chance halfway through. I'm like, I feel like I've missed like half of it. Let's go back. And they were, in, this was an incredible night of action. And uh, it was from the Talia Hall too, which I really enjoyed that, that little venue. I call it Hammer, mini Hammerstein. And uh, it came across that way on this episode too. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that hall in a couple minutes. So hold that thought on the hall. Cause that, that really is a beautiful hall. Um, I have here that the promo pick, I don't know if you saw the promo pick for the show. It was like black and white with gauge and a GCW hat. That is one of my favorite picks. Like that looks really good. Whoever's um, doing the graphics really, really knocking it out of the park. So yeah. the other thing, Oh, go ahead, buddy. I don't want to cut you. No, off I was just going to say, yeah, the graphics uh, look pretty cool on this one. I don't, I don't know who did it on this one, um, but our graphics, hopefully are going to be looking pretty cool too. Cause we got someone that does uh work with GCW graphics and hopefully uh, we get some nice looking ones as we've been seeing some of these posters, like how this one did with Nick Gage. Oh yeah. It looks so nice. I love, uh, I love when people put time into things like that. Cause it really does matter. The other thing that really did matter, uh, sorry about kind of speaking on the bat here for a minute, but that LA show went almost two and a half hours that we were at. This show went almost three and a half hours. Now, granted we didn't have an intermission, but their intermission wasn't very long. So that was yeah. something I just kind of wanted to mention out there. That's just me, I guess, whining. <laughs> the, the only thing. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to mention those updates to the podcast. You said we've got uh, graphics coming. We've got video on its way in. We're basically testing some stuff right now just for fun. Um, was there anything else you wanted to mention about that? Just maybe a timeline in the next couple of weeks or so, right? Um, I'm hoping... 
I'm hoping by the time we do our Fourth of July review, maybe that will kind of be like the kind of like the one year or close to our, our one year of you hopping on the podcast right after that episode. I, I don't think uh, you weren't on that one. I don't think, but or were you? How long? I don't know. Yeah. It feels like a while. Were you on that yeah. podcast? Yeah, I'm not sure yeah, if that okay. was my first one, but it was one of my first ones. I have to go back and scroll down because yeah, it feels like that was one of our. Uh, Okay, so you hopped on to number five. So this was our third, our GCW uh, backyard. Last year was our fourth, our third episode uh, together. So that's kind of where I'm gotcha. leading towards gotcha. the goal. So hopefully to get it by 4th of July. And when we do the 4th of July episode, we could do the 4th of July bump to YouTube and go live there. But I'm really excited with the graphics and mess around on this as we've been kind of doing before we went live here uh, of all the kind of cool possibilities that we're going to be adding and I think it's going to look really, really good. I'm I'm really excited to see what's going to turn into. Now, the other thing that I wanted to mention real quick, because this news just broke, we kind of knew ahead of time, but it just broke publicly that the Backyard Wrestling 5 for GCW, that was finally just announced. So it looks like they're not saying where, they're going to keep that to themselves, but... They only just said again, Backyard USA invite only. So it at least was announced publicly now that they're acknowledging it because for the longest time up until, well, today they hadn't. And this is what, a week before the show? Uh, yeah. And that sounded, uh, yeah, a week. Yeah, a week because it's next Tuesday. Oh, shit. Yeah. So that's a short amount of time to get everything together and head out to that. So, super fans, I guess just be ready because, uh, I can't say anything. <laughs> uh, if you're a patreon you can sign up and find out where the uh roundabouts of where that's going to be so i would recommend if you want to get on patreon check that out and uh take advantage of some of that breaking news before it goes public and that was one of the funner shows we went to like even though it was, was like a destination fourth of july show i mean it was cool like my son got to swim with the wrestlers we got to eat and talk with them in the by the pool area as the show's going on like it's it was a very cool interactive show if you uh want to just kind of go there and just interact with the wrestlers and then watch all the fucking craziness that these backyard shows go because i don't i haven't seen a bad backyard show like everyone's been mm -hmm. very entertaining and pretty crazy and uh yeah i'm very much looking forward to that i think they said looking for this is going to be the craziest and dumbest uh some of the I forgot exactly what they said, but like looking forward to the craziest and uh, I, I want to say they said dumbest. Oh, here we go. Not dumbest, but oh, I lost it, of course. Oh, yeah, that, I was <laughs> right. Yeah, dumbest. No, it says this. We're, we're headed back to the yard for GCW Backyard Wrestling 5. And this year's edition may be the craziest and dumbest yet, but dumbest wow. in a good way. Like, so we're going right, to see some right. crazy shit going on. Like, I am actually I love watching those ones. Like, and we got to be a part of it last year was cool. Yeah, those things just seem so laid back that it would be really cool to just make it a whole evening there. I know you said they kind of came in and then after a while it was, hey, time to go kind of thing. And I get that. That's oh. how the it's that's how it is, right? You got to hang out for a while. Like we actually just kind of got up and left because we thought they were going to do like the, the house that they were on. They said they were going to do some like their 4th of July celebrating at night, obviously with the fireworks and stuff. But mm -hmm. I believe they I don't know if they forced us out or whatnot or we just kind of decided to get up and leave because we didn't want to like intrude and stuff like that we didn't know, i don't know right. like we didn't we didn't know how that goes maybe we could have stayed and hung out with them during the fireworks even who knows but we just kind of afterwards cleaned up the area took our pictures with jordan and alec and uh nick wayne and got to get out of there so 
I don't know how that was. So uh, we ready to kick this bad boy off? Let's go to GCW's ride or die from the Talia Hall in Chicago, Illinois. Yes, I'm going to go like Blake Christian. I put the S on that shit, as uh, we'll say later on during the show, which uh, I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, he was really trying to dig at him just a little bit. I liked it. Uh, like, I think he's finding his footing here. Um, I went back into listened to like that GCW podcast that they did with The Corner um, when they were out here in Vegas, and Blake Christian kind of laid out like how kind of hard it is to kind of find footing as GCW carrying that company as the world champion in a heel fashion, but also kind of working as a face for ring of honor. And that's, what's really paying the bills here. So it's kind of, he found it a little bit tougher at the beginning to bounce back and forth between face and heel. But as we see now, it's, he's finding his footing very well as a heel, especially as a heel champion. Um, I think it's even better because of the cockiness and his attitude that, he's using as a GCW champion. So here we go. I sit down to watch. The timer starts counting down. I'm ready to go. The timer uh, resets and adds more time. So I get ready again as the timer ticks down to 30 seconds. Then more time has been added again. So for me, it's funny. It's funny to a point where I had to put it in the notes, but preparation allows for shows to start on time i know i sound like a uh, about that but if fans aren't in their seats then let the fans in earlier if it's technical or otherwise it should have been checked before the five minutes to bell time maybe half an hour beforehand address those things maybe do maybe some things do come up you never know but i've noticed that a lot it's like okay five minutes to show because it should have been at eight but now it's 805 and then well you know now it's 807 808 all right, it's 8-11 and it's time to go. I always find that kind of funny. And I've seen that happen like when they, in LA quite often. And uh, as you said, it's sometimes it's not their fault. Like I've heard Brett running up to the ring to tell Emma, like, hey, Fight TV said, give us five more minutes. So like you said, right. they're probably working out connection issues. But I really liked your idea a long time ago. And we've said it a couple different times of having like just a warm-up match on YouTube. Like just throw yeah. like, and even maybe that will get fans that, hey, look at this one like a kickoff match on YouTube to test out the audio settings of video, see how it's going to come off on stream. But also like it gives fans a free match that might, Oh shit, that was crazy. Let me go see what the rest of the show is going to be like. And now they got a bunch of new orders from some fans possibly from putting that one match up on there. So I think it, I really liked your idea when they had that, when you had that um, a while ago to kind of do a test run for one match and getting ready for perfect video and audio quality for fight TV when it comes up. And if you mess up on YouTube, who cares? It's free. Well, exactly. I was just thinking a half hour, an hour would be a lot, but a half hour run up one match, maybe two matches. And I know that's a lot because a card is loaded with, uh, with the average nine matches on a show. So putting in a 10th and 11th match is, is a lot for fans, but one match wouldn't hurt. And then maybe a touch of a pre-show five minutes, 10 minutes run up uh, or things like YouTube, especially they have a fantastic reach worldwide that fight TV may not have. And not everyone has a subscription. So it's just one way. What, what were you saying there or uh, what else there? No, I was just going to say, um, it, I think it's for that. Ma- like say you do one match and then you want to put up, like you throw on like those Tony D videos or those packages that you're doing be- like during the show, right before the match throw those on for YouTube and get like the fans that might not know what's going to happen. You get a little highlight clip of going of, Hey, that's, this is why Blake Christian's going against Gringo Loco. 
and you throw that video on. And I, I just think it's a good way to get extra fans to possibly buy the Fight TV Plus once you show this on YouTube, but also a good way to test out the audio and video. That way the thing's good. But I think that'd be a good way just to get the fans more invested if they weren't of throwing on like those little Tony D videos and stuff like that. You know, with one push of the button, we can go live in a lot of places. They could do the same thing if they wanted to, even if it was just 15 minutes with Dave Prezak and Emil, just a little run up. There's a lot of cool things that really could be done. But again, that's in a perfect world and they may not have time to do these things. Again, it's it's more about preparation. It's more about, you know, does this really serve to do this and pay these people to do these things? Does it get more butts in the seats? And, uh, you know, does it equate to more money down the road? I just went to the GCW's live and like the last time they did a kickoff show was the IWS versus GCW unsanctioned. They did that one match. They had like 10 people on it, I think, or two. I think maybe they did two matches, but that has like right Uh, now. They did two. That's yeah. They did one that was like a weird blow off. I remember talking about this one. Oh, like three minutes. Yeah. It was like a three minute match. And then there was another one that was serious. That was a pretty damn good match. Can't remember, who but this has six thousand views. I don't know how many views live. I think I think remember when I clicked on there. There's at least a couple hundred people in there, and who knows? Let's say you get ten percent of those people that aren't subscribed to Fight TV, and like now they see crazy action, and they want to sign up for it for eight dollars a month. Now you got yeah, however yeah. many people, hundred people, just signed up for Fight TV Plus. Like even if it's a small percentage, it's still. A, I don't know. I I just really liked your idea from a long time ago, and I think that could be used on every single show as a good way to test before you go live and also free publicity and a free match that could possibly get new subscribers to fight TV plus. So the show opens, maybe we were heard or maybe some changes are coming, but there was a better crowd sound tonight. It was just obvious. It's not perfect as the sound did kind of drown out back and forth, but that's fine. The crowd's energy and enthusiasm came across on TV and Honestly, that's the point. That's the point of everything we were talking about was we wanted to see that crowd mic'd up to where we can hear all that enthusiasm and all that noise. And I don't know what happened, but this show, there was a concerted effort to do so. And it was there off and on. We could even hear what people were saying in the ring when they meant to be heard. And that was really nice. Talia Hall, the venue's beautiful, filled with people. Fans are yelling, and there's whole front row sections of people standing and banging their hands on the mat. These were true fans. They were bringing the excitement, GCW chants, all throughout the opening of the show. So this will kind of go into that next part. Great job to the GPW crew. Thank you for the adjustment. I don't know what's changed in the past year, but the level of production has just soared. That includes better audio, sound, replays, video packages, intros, outros. Um... Do you have anything to say about that too? Like you've seen a real big improvement, huh? I love like the stingers that they do. They're like those little quick transitions from live to um, yes. the replays that have been awesome. Like this cool little transition. I love, uh, I know we'll talk about this on the uh, GCW versus New South, but like the rotating logo that they had of like one, it's the GCW logo and then it turns and then you got the New South and it turns, you got GCW. Like I really like those little, yeah. like you said, those little details, but like the package, like those video overlays that they're doing too for the replays have been looking awesome. And I love seeing the different kind of styles that they have throughout each kind of, uh, throughout the night of each or throughout each show, the different uh, cards that they have there. 
So my two fixes that I've talked about and I just put right here because it's getting to a point where they're doing so well. Let's kind of tighten it up. My two fixes would be the crowd sound issue. They are working on that. And also hearing the music better during intros. That used to not be a problem. Now it kind of is. I didn't know if maybe that's because they don't want to get slapped with copyright fines. However, I've heard that Fight TV, you know, Triller pays a lot of money so gcw and others can play that music so um if there's a lot of money being paid to play that music and a badass entrance is part of what makes a wrestler crank that motherfucker up and let's hear it now i want to hear effie come out to elton john fucking loud i want to hear sgc come out fucking loud so i'm just saying that up front because it seems like a lot of the microphone that's being picked up like, I'm sorry, a lot of the sound that the microphone is being picked up is from somewhere distant. And it's almost like everything we're hearing is something you hear from 30 feet away instead of right there in the crowd, like right down in the pit where you should feel like you are if you're watching a live show on TV. You want to feel like you're part of the action that pulls you into the action. You don't want to be watching this on TV and it sounds like the entire crowd is 30 feet away from you. You want to sound like it's right there on top of you. Just yeah, it seems like the only time they really get that is during the Nick Cage entrances, obviously, because the camera's right there, literally in the pit. But uh, yeah, I found out, I, I started thinking about that, like when you were saying about that, the last LA show, I just finished going back and watching it. And yeah, that sound, the audio with the music, like even in person, like we were, I kind of said like, my wife, like, we we're trying to figure out, my wife goes, who's that? I'm like, I don't know, I can't hear the music. <laughs> like I'm standing like yes. 20 feet away from the thing, but I agree. Uh, I think they've been doing a better job, at least on on video capturing uh, the sound a little bit uh, as of late, a little bit better than they have definitely were. That's for sure. So I also wanted to talk about the camera work. I appreciate we have some nice far shot camera angles of the inside of the venue. It's really nice seeing how the place really looks from all different angles. The 45 degree angle shot from, I'm guessing, the second row balcony. It looked awesome. Again, it really shows the place from a different angle, pun intended, and it really helps um, add like the visual in my head while I'm watching at home. I love the camera angle where it's shot right behind the wrestlers posing before he comes to the ring. Did you see that one? Yeah, yeah one I really like, liked right it. Behind. Yeah, I really liked it at the end when like Blake Christian is walking up at the end of the show. I thought that was a cool camera angle on that at that part of the show too. Like. The performer looks heroic. I mean, that's the guess way, best way to put it, because it's like them from their back, and then you just see fans. It was a beautiful look. Um, someone had good vision to use that angle, so kudos to someone on that spot uh, on that side. But it's just an ode to the GPW team, man. Thanks for stepping up. Yeah, I haven't seen that angle other than Hammerstein. I I thought that I think that's what made me first realize like, oh shit, this is like mini Hammerstein. I think I talked about last time too how they had that exact same camera angle that made it feel like. It was Hammerstein, but I do like it. It, it looked really cool at Hammerstein because obviously a lot more people than Natalia Hall, but it is, it, you said, it kind of makes that superhero kind of like a big moment. It just happened. And that's, that's why I like the Blake Christian at the end, his moment when he's walking back, like looking at the camera, even talking to it was pretty cool as well. Okay, so Talia Hall. Let's talk a little bit about uh, historic Talia Hall. It was built in 1892. It was modeled after the Prague Opera House. It was used in 1918 to draft a bill that would birth the country of Czechoslovakia. It was closed in the mid-60s until 2013 
and was granted landmark status in 1985. So in 2013, it was opened back up to the public and wrestling has been running there since. So I was also laughing. There's a spot where instead of the stairs sign, it says stare. So you know how every little show we kind of mentioned stupid little. I found that one. And I <laughs> so Talia Hall kind of got me on another little kick here. I wanted to talk about. I think we did talk about this before, but it was such a long time ago. And a lot of listeners that are listening now were not listening when we talked about this. But I wrote down in my notes here. GCW is the only company in the unique position to be running a lot of the smaller and mid-sized wrestling-friendly venues around the country. Many of these venues, like Talia Hall, may be gone down the road 25, 50 years. It sounds impossible, but it's not. Things change over time. Fires happen, new ownership, newer buildings come along. Just like the carousel room for now, it's gone. I honestly wish I could watch a two-hour documentary on the carousel room right now. You know, wouldn't you? Kind of just, you know, something for old, old, old times. So, I still, I still kind of miss it. Like when I went back and watched TOS, like I just and watching like the other prior TOSs and seeing the mm-hmm. colorful every. I, I, I miss the carousel room big time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's a loss for right now, but. uh yeah, I'd love to see them get video footage of every one of these venues that they're at from the inside to the outside bathrooms to the parking area. I want to see outside shots in the daytime and at night. It would be cool to see the place empty, then full of chairs and finally full for a show. I'd also like to see a teardown of the ring cleanup and eventually a goodbye with the drive away from the venue. Each venue one time. So some really won't understand the history until they're older and some of the things they grew up with are gone. And when I'm looking at Talia Hall, paint is literally peeling off the walls at this venue. We really should be getting a full video capture of this venue and many others like it. What do you think? I think that'd be a cool way to argue, right? (laughs) Yeah, like a cool way to think like at the end or like if they want to do like behind the scenes, even for Patreon of, hey, like this is what the we're not allowed to go here no more because it's shut down or for whatever reason but at least we got the memories and here's what it looked like you said before during after like a quick little uh-huh. even time lapse the time lapse video of like the place filling in and the ring and all that stuff i think would be cool to kind of see um i like seeing the behind the, the scene pictures too of seeing like where the wrestlers are like quote unquote locker rooms and seeing what kind of <laughs> kind of stuff around the building that uh that we normally as fans can't see because we're on the front side and not the back side of the house as they say um i think that's a cool part of seeing the behind the scenes pictures on patreon that's what i get a kick out of yeah i just i know you're a uh you know you're a venue person yeah. and for me <laughs> exactly i'm big on history and legacy like i'll watch an old history video on something and i'll start getting jealous i'm not there like i'm one of those people i wanted I, you know i wanted to be there for like a famous jfk speech or i'd love to be there when shakespeare you know brought out his first play like all these cool little things that i get jealous when i watch an old concert from the 70s and i'm like damn it would be so cool to be there live and that's how I feel now going like that's how I felt watching the old TOSs leading up until this one in the old carousel room. I was like, fuck, I really should have gone last year because last year was probably the closest I was going, thinking of going to the carousel room. I was going to go to TOS last year just for the weekend, just to kind of be a part of it and see it as a one time only kind of thing, because I didn't know it was going to be closed. But I thought it'd be cool to see there now. 
that I won't be able to go to the carousel room. If I go, it's the the terminal and all the white stuff. I don't I don't have the interest to go down there and catch a TOS as I did in the old carousel room. But it did make me uh, have had the fear of the fear of missing out for sure watching those old TOSs. No, 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 I'm right there with you. So that's that's why I thought this idea might be a good one because it's part of wrestling history and. There are sometimes decades of wrestling shot in some of these buildings and they're just not accessible anymore or they haven't been used in 20 years and they're ready to be torn down. There, there's some fantastic wrestling that have went off in some great buildings that I would have loved to have watched, say, a two hour documentary of the ins and outs of this old coliseum, you know, um, like I said, I don't have names off the top of my head, but there were some very famous ones now that you can't even enter without getting in some type of trouble for it being an area where it's dangerous. So, you know, we lose that history over time where, say, 10, 15,000 people every other weekend would show up to watch wrestling. So much, you know, so much excitement in one building that's probably still a little bit trapped in there that, you know, we lose to time and it would be cool to see all those things like when ECW arena was strictly ECW arena. I would have loved to have seen a documentary on that building. What does it look like as a fan when you're standing in line, when you, you know, give them your ticket, what does it look like when you first walk in the building and you see the arena for the first time, what's that look like? What's, what's the area look like around the building? You know, I'd like to see that done in a lot more of these buildings because of that reason. Like, there is 2,800 you can go to now, but the way it was set up and the way it was is lost. All that is lost. We, we don't have that anymore. So, yeah. So that's why I try to talk about these a little bit, because I think over time they may not survive. And I hope we appreciate some of the venues that are being chosen by Brett are venues that they are already appreciating the history on. So just keep your eyes out for places like Harpo's because those are historical venues that you need to really read up a little bit on who's been on those, those uh, who's been on that stage up there and how important they are. And I'm just glad I was able to go to Hammerstein because else I'd have that same feeling if I didn't go like to the GCW Hammerstein. So I'd, I'd probably have that fear of missing out because I wouldn't go to, I wouldn't go all the way out there for like a WWE show or whatever, but right. I thought like for GCW and kind of setting the independent, wrestling record out there whatever they said but just being a part of the hammerstein shows seeing kind of the build from gcw since the start to where it was to fight for the hammerstein show i thought it was just a cool opportunity and time to go because it did feel like a historic kind of night and i now i can always say i've been a hammerstein and now when i go back and watch right? like old ring of honor shows or watch old ecw shows even like old raw shows and from the manhattan center it's it's i don't think they were in i think that was the one uh, building next to the Hammerstein is where they were doing raw and stuff like that, but it looks very similar and it still has the same cool feeling. I can just always say now, like, hey, I was there and like, oh, I remember like where I was sitting. Who said in that same spot where I was? What kind of signs they got? And I, I am super happy I was able to at least knock off Hammerstein off my list because that was as of there. It's there and um, uh, Madison Square Garden. Like at least I was in New York. Like I went to Madison Square Garden, but I didn't go inside of it. But I do want to see like a wrestling show there as well, just to kind of see the atmosphere and stuff. Nice. You know, yeah, you were fortunate to do that. That's like Mecca in New York. That's like where you want to go to watch wrestling. It's the Hammerstein. So it was not. I enjoyed. I I soaked it all in and definitely appreciated every second there because 
I don't think we're going to go back ever to there. And I don't think I'd ever see another Hammerstein show, but um, you know, just being there was awesome. And that crowd and energy was insane. So yeah, I won't get too far into it, but did you drive or were you driven to that show? Uh, I don't know how parking is in places. Oh no, we, we walked everywhere. We stayed at a hotel, like it was a five minute walk from there oh, to okay. Hammerstein. And it was a five, a seven, seven minute walk to Madison square garden, 15 minute walk to, to, to uh, Times square. We were right in the middle of it all. It was actually, it was, it was incredible. Like the whole New York That's thing. Awesome. I wish we had longer to say, just so I could check out more of the outside stuff. Other than that, like I found myself just walking the up and down the streets between the hotel and Times square. But every time I went down the mat, down, uh, whatever street that I was on, I forgot it was like 42nd or something like that for the Manhattan center, just to kind of see like what they were setting it up and stuff. And like one of the mornings I saw them, like they were literally loading up the ring and stuff like that. I was like, Oh shit, this is it. Tonight's the night. And it was oh, pretty that's cool seeing cool. that. So I'll get us back on track here. Cause we did some <laughs> healthy talking. That's good though. Um, Emil opens up the show. You can see him so amped. He's almost jumping in the ring. He does everything but leave his feet. His enthusiasm is unmatched. And uh, B, if you get a chance, check it out. You can see when the whole thing starts, he's damn near jumping, bouncing back and forth like in his shoes. You can see he's got happy feet. It's hilarious. But the cat gets so ramped up, you know, he, he you can't stop him. He's happy as fuck. So... Yeah, that's cool our boy. That's our boy, you know? Yeah, he sets the tone. Like, I kind of, like, when I first met him in L.A. and I told him, like, hey, man, I just want to say appreciate everything you do. Like, you set the tone for us. He's like, no, like, I feed off you guys. But I'm like, we feed off you. We see you jumping and hyped up in the ring. Like, we feel that same excitement. That's how we come off. But um, seeing him always doing that. We talk about the wrestlers. It's so cool seeing the wrestlers happy and enjoying themselves. And it's the same thing with MLJ. Seems like every weekend, every GCW show, he's living his dream, which he is, and it's just awesome to see that happening. All right, so you ready to do this? Let's go into our first matchup of the evening, as it is a tag match between the teams of the Bang Bros, August Matthews and Davey Bang, going against the makeshift team of Alec Price and Cole Radrick. I loved how they came out wearing each other's jerseys like that was the first thing i noticed i thought that was so cool when they came out uh wearing each other's jerseys and that was another like grouping like we talk about these random groupings that we've been we loved seeing axon ray and shane mercer like i wrote in my notes i wouldn't mind seeing alec and cole or alec and yeah alec and cole uh working together as a tag team they seemed like they were kind of off on this on the page and chemistry wise and this one obviously being the first tag match but i think they could do something pretty cool and it gives them something to chase after because right now it seems like both are kind of doing nothing other than scramble. So they're not chasing after any belt. It would be a fun matchup to see challenge for the tag match if they build some chemistry and get some wins. Well, I think they want to do something with them. You know, we were concerned about Cole after he had gotten rid of that belt. And then we find out just a couple weeks later, you know, he's doing a main event with Yoshiko. So... I mean, there are things out there. Alec Price, excellent fucking match with Kevin Knight. And between two guys who have had five years or less experience, they looked absolutely wonderful. So yeah. this this may be a pairing again. You mentioned something a long time ago. We talked about the Reach for the Sky tournament and so on and so forth. But on Patreon, you mentioned a tag team tournament. 
right? Yeah, yeah. Are we possibly pairing people off? We've got Janelle and Sawyer. That just recently happened, and they're pushing it from what I'm seeing. I wouldn't mind. I know they did this a, a while ago, The battle that battle bowl with the random kind of mm-hmm. people thrown together. I know AEW is kind of doing that now with the blind eliminator tournament, whatever. But I love that concept, and like I was, I thought that for that Reach the Sky tournament would have been cool of putting young young teams together to battle for the tournament and then at the end have a ladder match for like a singles something or whatever say they won the reach for the sky but as a tag team they kind of fought for it but this kind of goes to my point we're saying might as well if they're not going to put any tag teams for the east west express and they're going to be having to kind of find teams they're going to be putting teams together like alec price and cole radrick why not just do like the random drawing out of the hat and do some mixed match teams and see what happens because Lately, I've been enjoying the random ass pairings I've been seeing, so I wouldn't mind seeing more of it because, especially, it's been wrestlers that aren't going after anything. As we said, Cole not chasing extreme title. Alec yep. is the battleable ring champion, I think now. But like, okay, that's it. Like he's defending the ring against Bishop here coming up in the next JCW show, but he's not chasing anything either. I'd rather if they're not going to chase anything and they are great competitors, might as well put them at a tag team, see what happens, and see what if they could turn into something down the road. Cause I think Shane versus Axon Ray, like I, I'm actually disappointed. They haven't teamed up again since we last saw them. You know, <laughs> I won't get into that too much, but you and I really agreed quickly that that was a fantastic team between those two. Like, I don't know why. Uh, same thing with Mercer and Christian, I think would have just been a fantastic team because they're different enough that they each bring something to the table and they pose a threat blake's a fucking asshole but then you put his fucking muscle with him and actually maybe that's not done because it's too close to mason maybe that's what it is i don't yeah. know yeah you know, i, I just, really always, have a heel with a hoss i like the the team of uh, mercer and christian because I, I always like the thunder and lightning like a big powerhouse and a high flyer or a speed person i think that's a great tag team because they counteract each other but they go both could fill in for each other for what the other can't do that the other one can so i do i wouldn't mind seeing that pairing as well all right so i figured i'll change my video color to green here so <laughs> all right so chicago's own bang bros they get a rock star entrance with a huge pop from the crowd crowds chanting bang bros bang bros and then cole and alec come out they are also hype as shit, jumping and bouncing everywhere. They're wearing, like you said, each other's jerseys. I thought it was a cool touch. And yeah, it's like a show of solidarity. Um, fingers crossed. I actually like both guys. Yep. I Yeah, I'm not going to complain. Rowdy Daddy chants start up. Cole does something very performers do. I just want to point this out. He acknowledges or points to the person who starts chanting, like his name or whatnot. It's smart. The fans appreciate him for it, and they usually chant louder. Also, it's positive reinforcement. If you're going to start a Cole Radrick chant, he's going to look at you and point and be like you. Like, how cool is that? If your favorite performer acknowledges you. Just kind it's of smart, that you that. Said. Yeah, I think it's very smart and not enough to do that. It's like the Maki Ito thing where when she was walking around, um, she was making eye contact with everybody in the front row as she walked by and Again, those little things do matter, you know, to to people like us who are looking at those little things, they matter. 
Alex spends an extra moment getting the crowd cheering louder. It always works. I don't know if you've noticed, but he likes to stand on that second rope there and try to throw his arms up and get people going. And, you know, I think he started doing that at the Las Vegas show when everybody was going nuts. And I think it's just stuck with him ever since. The uh, Bang Bros dominated early by working together. Lots of team moves. After that, Flurry, Cole, and Price primarily took over. The Bang Bros then did come alive about halfway through the match with a tope and a backflip to the outside. And um, let's see here. The crowd actually kind of started coming alive after that point. A nice spot that I wanted to mention, Price made August execute a destroyer on Davey. That was a cool little move. Also... I want to give a uh, little shout out to Max Recon for keeping the match under control. Price and Cole tried to cover the wrong man. Davey was the legal man, not August. And, you know, Max kind of made sure that they didn't pin the non-legal man. So fans booed for a moment, but that's actually a good referee. They didn't realize he was right. But um, so for the people who are the hardcores and for the people who actually really care about GCW, your boy Max came through on that one. I always think um, he's one of the better referees too. He was like the uh, Hammerstein um, when that reached for the grab the brass ring match. And uh, I forgot who was climbing the ladder. Like nobody was holding the ladder. He ran over there and grabbed it. But, oh, it was G-Raver's spot um, when G-Raver just kind of oh, fell shit. off. The ladder and, uh, <laughs> but then like, you could tell right afterwards, he's like, he, the match is still going on. He's out there like scolding the other referees. Like, get the fuck in there and hold it. Like, right, what are you guys right. doing? Like, and I've always respected Max for that because he just, it's just showing leadership as a referee. But also, like, yeah, some uh, luckily, well, I guess, uh, luckily no one got hurt, but something could have very much happened on that ladder. And I'd really appreciate that Max Recon's uh, going out there and trying to, keep the wrestlers safe on spots that uh being a professional yeah that that's a better way to do it so we'll go kind of towards the ending here after one failed attempt the bang bros eventually hit the right on the bus on uh price then their third attempt flattens cole davy with a 450 splash and they cover cole for the win so our winners here are the bang bros i have here that it was a great opener fast and fun the local guys won the fans are happy also, I'm just going to mention the Bang Bros still show more improvement as they're becoming a team to be watched. They're also becoming mainstays on the GCW card. I'm cool with that. Yep, I'm definitely cool with that as well. Like I, We've been singing their praises for a while since we've seen them. Um, I was shocked that they got the victory, though. Like, I, I, I guess not really against a major right? tag team, but uh, I, I want well, to go back. I think that was their though. second win, yeah. I think that was their second win as a tag team in GCW when I went back that night and uh, looked at it. It was their second or first. Um, I looked it up that night because I was like, is that their first time winning? I enjoy this match. As you said, when they went for the ride the bus, though, on one of the attempts, Cole or uh, Alec Price hit like a running knee on that. Yeah. I thought that was fucking crazy. Like, I ruined my nose. Like, he killed him with that knee. Um, that was a cool spot. As you said, I like this. I've been liking lately the struggles of these trying to hit the finishers or their signature moves. And like, we're seeing a little bit more of it, of the cool storytelling and ring of struggling to hit your finishing move. And this was another match with it. I wish this would have gotten a little bit more time just over, uh, just under seven minutes, but it was a good way to kind of test the waters with Alec and Cole, but also a cool way to give the bang bros a victory. And I, I think tag team wise, I think you were asking me like who, who should be facing GC or, uh, the East West Express for the GCW tag titles, like Bang Bros, have to be up there on the top of the list, in my opinion. Like, even though this is their first win, but they've been out there for a while. Like, I think this 
this should move them up a little bit higher than where they were, obviously. But uh, I think they should be getting it just because they've been having incredible matches lately. And I'll counter you just because I'm on the conservative side on the, on this one only because of where I see they're at and where they're going. I'd give them an additional six months of seasoning with the fans and with GCW for us to know where they should go. But their trajectory right now is exactly where you said, and I'm 100% behind that. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing them picking up a couple more victories, obviously, to solidify their status as challengers for the belt, for sure. But a good way, as you said, to see where they kind of warm up test of where they are with the fans and how over and all that stuff but I, they've been in ring been incredible every single time we've seen them that's obviously a big thing for me uh, with championship wrestling <laughs> all right our second matchup of the evening which was a fun one and i was definitely paying attention to was jack cartwheel and Arez because i Arez, i wrote my notes so he's become one of these can't miss ones for me it's like Viking on Arez. I've just been loving seeing all the stuff Arez does in the ring. And it's it, it's been fun and incredible like incredible to watch. And seeing Jack Hartwell, how he's progressed up higher and higher and he's getting better in the ring too. I was really excited for this match, and this match definitely delivered in my eyes. Okay, so Jack Hartwheel versus Arez. I wrote here two very interesting styles, but there is one thing they both have in common. They both have unorthodox styles. Cartwheel does something no one else does, and the same thing can be said about RS. So I can say, though, that RS, he has an unconventional style that's unique to him. There's only one RS. It's a beautiful thing. If you want a copy of RS, there isn't one, which means if you want him, you're going to have to pay him. Speaking of unique performers, though, Cartwheel arrives, the super face. He's got the white shirt, the blue tassels, the red, white, and blue gear. Dude is electric and happy as hell. There is no Veda Scott for the cartwheel counter, unfortunately, this time, so no one kept count. The match starts with cartwheel doing a cartwheel, and Arez refuses, gives Jack the middle fingers. Jack is coming out with moves I have never seen before, so I didn't even write them down here. Arez comes off as the smarter veteran in this match. He also had that uh, awesome wrap in the ropes. He did that on cartwheel. Then a crazy condo clutch. Just so much unique stuff going down. The uh, creativity, yeah, the creativity level was extremely high. It's almost a shame to see both of them in one match and not actually smeared across the card. Mainly because there was just like the creativity between the two. They could have split them up and had two creative matches, not just one. So it was really interesting that they put them both together. The match also told a story of like two very strong and capable men just completely fighting their asses off. They weren't afraid of each other. Both were dangerous. And what they may pull out is unpredictable. Our finish went like this. Cartwheel with a corkscrew off the top rope for the win. Our winner in this one was Jack Cartwheel. I have a lot of kind of similar notes here. I wrote it was an intriguing match. Fun to see these two being paired against each other as they're both incredibly innovative and this was a very entertaining match. I wouldn't. I definitely want to see this one ran back because I, like I said, Arez's can't miss for me, and Jack Hartwell is just improving every single time. And he was a good foil for Arez here, getting into these uh, crazy submission locks and contorting his body in different ways for Arez. I thought it uh, helped Arez look better uh, throughout this matchup uh, because of Jack Hartwell. So uh, it was only eleven and a half minutes, but they've really filled 
those uh, those minutes with action. I have down here. It was fun and it was fulfilling. I know there's a that's probably a good way to put it. It was that if you're going to have to sit for 11 and a half minutes and watch people wrestle, this one to me felt like I got everything out of it that I wanted to get of it out of this wrestling match. Money was being thrown in the ring as it should be. Both take a turn around the ring for the fans. Definitely a feel good match. Kirby Alexander then comes out to Kirby chance. <laughs> He's a legend in Chicago. He has an excellent delivery on the microphone. So I can see why they brought him out. They really appreciate somebody who has talent. So Emma was more than happy to step aside for one of the matches there. And uh, yeah, Kirby rocks. Yeah. And that will lead us into our third matchup as it is Lou Fisto going against Robert Anthony. And this was not the scheduled match um, as, oh, yeah, never mind. Uh, this wasn't the scheduled match, but I'm glad to see Robert Anthony. I remember when we saw him last time in, I think it was Chicago area, we both were impressed with his kind of, uh, his heel tactics. He felt like old school heel. He was, he, I think we compared him to Cardona, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I said that Cardona, but that's what I was really feeling, especially tonight with his uh, soliloquy and pre-match promo going on. Soliloquy, uh, yeah. Yes. Good I word. Read a dic- I read a dictionary today that I used in the right sense. <laughs> well, you did it okay. You did okay. okay. <laughs> but I was glad to see him back, and um, I, as you'll kind of go over it, uh, it was cool seeing Lufistu ste- uh, be the one to step up and challenge him, because um, we were talking about Lufisto last time, how she needed a, a stronger opponent. And I thought this was a good matchup to uh, have this kind of matchup that showed her toughness for sure. Definitely, uh, definitely showed her toughness because Robert was beating the shit out of her during this matchup. Yeah, this was, this was a rough run for Lufisto. That's for sure. Um, Anthony comes out. He's scheduled to wrestle Sawyer wreck. I think it was travel issues. We'll say that went on there. But 20 years in the industry, he comes out and he tells Kirby, shut up, you fat piece of shit, which the fans just booed heavy over. He said he's the king of the suburbs. Fans do not like him. He called some of the wrestlers he last wrestled ham and eggers, which I thought was funny. I love the guy at ham and eggers. Like, that's such an old school statement right there. Like, anyway. He had a lot. He just he yeah. felt very old school. This segment did too, and I thought it fit in pretty perfectly with how this card will end up uh, turning out. And he's like, he's pointing into the crowd. He's like, "Is it going to be you? Or are you going to be the one?" He's like, "Goddamn right, it is you." Uh excuse me. I had to yawn there. Uh, actually, anybody who's watching has already been seeing me yawn a couple times. Unfortunately, I'm trying to wake up here. Um, he's also asking, like, what about the floozy in green? And people really got mad about that. And then finally, he found an old guy. He said, listen, old timer, I will kick you in the Santa Claus nuts. And uh, maybe 10 seconds later, he goes, fuck you, Santa Claus. Who's going to do it? And then all of a sudden, Lufisto comes out. She gets into the ring. He calls Lufisto a Hall of Famer. Honestly, between that and Kirby, if you notice, he's really putting one over. He's like putting everyone over nicely. So totally well done. Total professional. Yeah, perfect job as a heel to get all the fucking heat on yourself while putting else, literally everyone else in the building over yeah. uh, on your behalf, which is always a cool thing to see. So yeah, Lufisto showed up, and I don't know if people really knew, but she was set to wrestle Delander, but Delander couldn't make it. So this was basically throwing two matches into one. 
you know, just making the most of the situation, what to do. But uh, yeah, we didn't know who was coming out at the time. And Anthony's like, who the hell are you? And then obviously he kind of played a little later than he knew. But I also didn't realize how little Lufisto was. That is a that is a little lady. Let me tell you, I was really surprised by that. Uh, yep. Lufisto starts the match with a heavy slap to Anthony's face. He makes Perch take off the robe, the referee. I thought that was a cool little cocky move. Well, going back to real fast on Lufisto's side, I know that was probably going to catch heat for saying this. Did you hear what uh, Robert and Anthony said? Like, like I asked for someone, a real wrestler to come out here, not some Oompa Loompa. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, because especially after the shit she's been saying lately on, like, social media about how, like, how she didn't feel comfortable with her body and all this stuff and having that comment i was like oh shit man like really you're gonna get the fuck beat out of here now like i was like this better be one of these moments where like yeah you get your shit talking it now but you're definitely gonna be eating lufisu's boot this entire match and that's what did happen which was nice but yeah i thought that was a little uh extreme calling her oompa loompa dude uh, it was just great we had lufisto chance as she kicks with like two feet launches robert off the fucking mat she's having fun she works him on the outside for quite a few minutes fans are enjoying holding robert as she chops his chest robert developed this nasty handprint across his chest ego sucks chance fuck this guy chance i can clearly hear say you quit from ringside normally you could not hear that on camera i think that's absolutely great i feel like i'm more there uh fuck joliet chance if anybody wants to know that's a small city in the south of chicago but eventually they get back in the ring anthony gathers heat by being disrespectful and abusing lefisto for several minutes lefisto fires back with the entire crowd behind her he's chopped down the size and she lays into him with heavy blows after about eight minutes it seems like they are both finally even lefisto chants throughout the whole match at the end here we have lefisto with a low blow and slams him on the ground a big knee strike and a back fist for three our winner here lefisto yeah, she was a favorite in this one, and she uh, won with a low blow. That was kind of funny, but but he's an asshole. So I mean, you know, yeah, it was with. called for exactly. It was it was called for. Nobody <laughs> nobody's gonna uh, worry about that. Her going to uh, the having to go to the low blow to pick up the victory. I liked on the outside too how like they had like the fans that Robert Anthony was like fucking yelling at the entire time, end up holding him down, and uh, while Lufisto gave gave him chops the fans are holding them down i thought that was a pretty cool moment as well you could see him like get the fuck off me get off me guys like <laughs> I, I just he wasn't he played a perfect deal and like i said this is why i think what we were asking for him last time because he brought something different as a heel that if cardona's not on the show he kind of fills right in and i think he did an excellent job uh working this match and getting lupisto uh getting kirby over and the crowd totally against him and it was cool to see. It was nice to see. I, I actually got excited when I saw Robert Anthony. Uh, I, at first, I thought it was uh, this ain't the guy with Frank the Clown, is it? No. Okay. No, okay. I don't believe so. Okay. Uh, don't uh, yeah. Now I'm so. thinking Chicago area. Like I think this is the one guy. Like I, he maybe he did have Frank the Clown with him at one point, and we we're like, get rid of him. Like, and you were like, oh, I like the clown. I like the facial reaction. But like, oh, he's I love better clowns. off without yeah. the clown. Yeah. I don't know. Speaking, I, of, I speaking of which, sidebar, just for fun, I saw the dark side of the ring on Doink the Clown. Did you see it? No, I didn't see it. Like I think I heard, I heard about it, but I didn't see it. Dude was wild. Well beyond what I thought. Like, wild. Dude was hopped up on drugs one night at a bar, and he decides to attack I forget who, right? 
got the shit kicked out. He basically had a hold of the guy's ears at the guy who played Dork, Matt Bourne. Matt started to open his mouth like he was going to bite this guy's nose. And instead, this wrestler bit his bottom lip off, spit it out. So ended up he beat on him a little bit, got kicked out of the bar. I guess 10 minutes later, Matt came back into the bar and got onto that wrestler again. And I guess this wrestler beat the shit out of him this time. He said 10 minutes later after he left the bar, Matt came back in again and tried to fight him again and just got (laughs) completely fucked. Like the whole thing was just, it was one bad thing after another. I mean, he was so full of drugs when he died and just everything was bad. He was not, uh, he, he just, it was rough for him from day one. It seems. Wow. Yeah. I didn't catch that one. I heard it was pretty bad though. It's substance abuse, unfortunately. That's that's what really got him. It was like painkillers, um, mostly like um, cocaine painkillers. That's what I heard mostly. So, poor guy. Uh, It really sucks. Um, Something I didn't know, and this will be something kind of interesting. The WrestleMania here in Las Vegas, where Doink came out, and there were two Doinks. I don't know if you remember that or not. Yeah, the one was underneath the ring. Okay. Well, that was basically him replacing his uh, being replaced. And when he was even in the ring, he was like, this is my replacement. In the back of his head, he said, like, this is my replacement. And then a little bit down the road, he was fired. And that guy that was in the ring was his replacement. I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, that Crazy. Yeah, that, that, that sucks. That's a, that's a shitty feeling. Like, I had to train my, like, replacement. Like, halfway through the day, I was like, what job are you taking again? They're like, oh, they said I'm going to be working this days and that hours. I'm like. That's my fucking days and hours. What the hell? Right, right, <laughs> yeah, that was, that, right. That's not a good feeling. And I could see why maybe that led to some of his uh, downfall with the substance abuse and all that stuff. That's crazy. I, they do a lot of good stuff on that dark side of the ring. Like, I think I'm two seasons behind, but I've caught like clips here and there. or like, I've seen a lot of people talk about, especially that doink one, how it was kind of hit harder than that people expected because they didn't know all the deep down stuff about the original doink the clown. Well, yeah, so I guess, first of all, Matt was a little off. And I guess one day, I forget who it was, was looking over at Matt, and he was like, look at that clown or some shit like that. Further down the road, uh, Vince came up with the idea, and he's like, I know the perfect guy, and he gave it to Matt Bourne. And then from there, like, every time he would look at the outfit and shit, he was like, this is my life now. I wanted to be a wrestler, and I'm a fucking clown. Uh, And that's how he looked at it. And that was all he was kind of known for. So as he got older and whatnot, that was all he was. He couldn't just be Matt Bourne. He was known as being Doink the Clown. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Like the whole thing was way deeper than I thought. And yeah, when he got released from WWE, he went like way deep in. Unfortunately. Uh, So and that makes sense, man. You lose a good paying job like that. It's not gonna be easy. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, the story here was local heel gets beat up by face. That's visibly smaller for the fans pleasure. The story was basically David and Goliath. That's what we got here. And they did a damn good job with it. As Lufisto celebrates, someone comes in behind and attacks her. That person is Pero. He's choking her with a chain. Janela comes in and then hits him with a chair for the save. Pero stands up as he's unaffected. Janela then throws the chair again and again. It just bounces off his Paro, off of Paro as he leaves. Paro's fucking massive. And they played him up like just an immovable object. 
you know, Janelle is throwing chairs at him and he's barely affected it. Uh, it's very interesting. They booked even that run in that way. I don't know what that says about, uh, about Joey or does it say more about Pero? I'm not sure, but I've never seen really too many people get chairs launched at them like that and they're not affected. Is this the first time we've seen Pero since Collective, right? Now, that's a great question. I, I think could it, not tell you. I, I think it is, too. And I, I had a similar thing because I was thinking, I think it is. I'm not for sure, but this is what I was thinking when I saw Pero come in. I'm like, last time we saw him, he got tossed around by Yoshihiku, which obviously was great and funny. But then, like, yeah, the next right. time we see him, we get the bat. Like, I saw the badass of yeah, the no selling, like, fuck your chairs. Like, I'm done playing games. Yoshihiku's gone. But I love seeing like the duality of Pero's character where they'll sit there and have fun and do the Yoshihiku spot. And then when it's time to be a fucking badass, and as you said, just muscles and bouncing chairs bouncing off them, I think that's a that's a cool way to view Pero as well. Um, but I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, oh, they're trying to build him back up after the Yoshihiku spot. Wow. So yeah, Joey was the hero here. There were Joey Chance. I noticed many time we've had either Gage or Janela come out to right the wrongs in the ring. This would also be an enjoyable old school tag team if we had Gage and Janela. But right now, Janela's kind of tied up with Sawyer. But um, lastly here, right after this, another video package comes out to hype that next match of Jordan and Commander. And another badass looking video package. They really, they're really getting this whole thing together, GCW is. And whoever's doing these things, just awesome job. You know what match we're going to get here soon then. Uh, based off kind of what you said uh your last statement. What's that? Who are you, who are you thinking? Sawyer Wreck versus Pero. Hmm. I, th- I think that's what we're going to be seeing just to kind of help build up Sawyer, or maybe it could just be Pero just being the shit out of her and getting mega heel heat too. But I could see like maybe Joey, Joey and Sawyer, as you said, going against Pero and Mason will be kind of like the new tag team matchup here. I want to see just Mason go one-on-one. And like start going against, I can't do it now again with Blake Christian as champion, but go against our biggest face and like just like Jordan Oliver would be a good way right now. Like him just start messing with Jordan to become the JCW champion as a heel. Um, I think that'd be a good spot for him to go as a singles competitor. I'm just stumped because I never thought of that matchup. I, I didn't either until you said like we're up against it. You said Sawyer and Joey. I'm like, oh, Joey and Mason kind of have the. I think they have a little thing, not a big thing, but I could see that if, if that is the tag team that they're going to use, Sawyer's definitely going to have a one-on-one peril to lead up to that tag team. And I could see a moment of making Sawyer look really, really cool, but I think they should use that moment in the one-on-one match to get Arrow more over and then save like the big cool moment for the blow up tag match of having Sawyer chokeslam Arrow off the top rope or some bullshit. I because I, I, I'm just saying if Perro and her meet up, if Pero beats the shit out of her, he's gonna look bad. She's gonna look weak. And if he beat and she beats the shit out of him, he's gonna look weak. Well, I think he, he could do it originally with like cheating with the help of Mason, so it saves kind yeah, of Sawyer yeah. wreck and doesn't make her look too bad. But I could see. Yeah, it's got to be booked right because that's why yeah. we never have Haas's clash because there's always a loser. Yeah, I think that'd be a cool way to build them both up though and get Pero even more mega heat. All right. Let's go into match number four that the video package led us into as it is for the JCW world title as or not world title, just the JCW title as the champion. Jordan Oliver defends the belt against Commander. And once again, thought it was cool hearing um, thought of that was cool hearing MLJ talk about the title defenses. And I think this is like he said the fifth one for 
uh, this for Jordan's match. I think he said, but I think I like hearing the, the amount of title defenses because it makes this builds up like the credibility and kind of like the this history of the JCW champion. Well, you're right. The title is on the line. It's really amazing, but did you notice the champ came out first? Yeah. Uh huh. That, that always makes it wonder. That's 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 odd, but they must have seen Commander as the bigger star, I guess. In this one, uh, you know what I mean. Like, here's the thing: if you're trying to put over someone, generally you do them last. You're trying to put over Commander here. Maybe I don't you, know. You know, how, you know how it works. You know how yeah, it yeah, works. Yeah. the last one coming out. Yeah, usually that's why the champion usually comes out to last. Yep. Yep. So that was different. Never really. uh, I don't know. Rarely seen it. I was really surprised. That's how that was placed. That's just had to mention it. Jordan has great reception to the ring. He's back from overseas. Commander also out to a huge reception. He's a million dollar man. He looks good. He's going to continue to uh, keep moving up the ladder. Much success to him. The opening minute is a flurry of bodies flying around everywhere. A nice spot where Commander had this huge dive from the top rope and over the corner post and on top of Jordan onto the floor. There's another spot where Jordan was catching Commander on the side of the ring and side slam onto the edge of the ring into a brain buster onto the floor. Also, again, Max Recon handling this match. The Twitter posts of him serving in Iraq and he mentioning the life-changing roadside bomb in Fallujah. I just wanted to kind of mention it for myself. Thank you, Max. Minute six, and Commander becomes more violent. He's faster, and his strikes have more impact. I'm noticing he um, he takes like more time. He's taking his time up the ropes instead of just running up the ropes. I don't know how much you're noticing that. Um, that negates his chances of fucking up. I also think that's part of those changes I was talking about a few episodes ago where he was told to kind of dial it back and be more careful. That right there was a great example. He normally runs up those ropes. Now he kind of walks up them and kind of holds himself up the ropes, if you've noticed. He's been training how to do that differently. It's, It's obvious. Anybody who's seen him... As many times as we have, you can see it every single time he runs up the ropes, dude. Check it out. It's it's like a ladder. He treats it like hand, foot, or hand, like foot, hand, foot, hand. That's the one you thing know? I noticed during this match that he didn't like it. He didn't seem to hit as many maneuvers from the top rope as normal. Then yes. I, as you said, that, I was just thinking like, oh, yeah, maybe he didn't go up top as much. But I think he did, but he just kept on missing like what he was going for, which I think is cool because... Yeah, I mean, the wrestler's sitting there for 30 seconds. Like, I, realistically, they should be getting up and doing something to kind of block it or or do something. So I do like it keeps it looking more realistic when they are able to kind of block Commander from doing those spots. So minute nine and both men are fighting with chops of the chest back and forth. Both men are down and huge GCW chants break out in the crowd. Minute 10, the match pace picks up. Jordan's in control. Jordan with a nasty acid kick. The match pretty much looks over. Commander, though, he kicks out at two. Commander answers with a moonsault. Minute 11, and towards the ending of this match, Commander with a moonsault into a cradle, kick out at two. Commander then, up top, runs the ropes into a shooting star press. Jordan turns it into a clout cutter. Awesome fucking move. Oliver with a big boot into the orange crush for three. Jordan Oliver is our winner here with a rare finisher that we don't see as often anymore. The orange crush. Nice to see it come out, huh? 
Yes, and I was kind of hoping uh, since I even wrote here. So I was like, I thought it's uh, when he hit the shooting star press and turned it into a cutter. Like I thought that should have been the end because like, hey, that yeah, that was a cool ass move and like that's his finisher. And I thought it should have been done and over with there. But when he did the orange crash, I thought he should have to just step up the maneuver instead of just kind of keeping it a little bit lower than that clap the clout cutter out of nowhere. I thought he should have done what he did with Jack Hartman, throw him on the ropes and bounce back and catch him into the orange crest because that was a cool move and we haven't seen it in a long time. And I think Amanda would be a perfect person to bounce back to Jordan that way. But I was glad to see the Orange Crest because I do love that as his finisher. And I, I, I wrote that same thing too. It was cool seeing the Orange Crest. Um, I, I love this match. It seemed like a little bit, the timing was off a little bit at the beginning, but then they caught, they gathered themselves and got back on the same page. But overall, I enjoyed this match and another you know, title defense for uh, Jordan, which is good. Also on the outside, when they hit that, when you said that brain bust, I was going to hop in there. Uh, when Jordan hit that brain buster on Commander, that kid, the way his neck and body fell, like it looked mm-hmm. bad. But the way Jordan was holding his head and like kind of like no contact was made. I thought it was like so good of Jordan, like the way to protect Commander on that move. But it looks fucking sick as hell the way he just fell to the ground that way. So both were awesome. <laughs> the fans were very appreciative of that match, and it's obvious. So are we. I think that's the best way to close that one on my end. Yeah, I that's a I wouldn't mind seeing that ran back and it's getting me closer to my uh one of my new dream matches of Vikingo versus Jordan. Oh my god. You saw me get scared for a minute. My wife just came in for just a moment. <laughs> I saw somebody in the dark and I'm like, what in the hell? And it was <laughs> coming out so, like arrow, sneaking up behind you. We're actually running live right now on. So oh yep, yeah, see, and there she goes real quick. Um, she actually came up to tell me goodnight real quick. So if you feel like talking for 10 seconds, I'm going to tell okay. you goodnight. All right. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good uh, good uh, matchup, though. And now we're about halfway through the card. And that was good first half of the show. And um, I don't know if she sees this or not. I added this uh, title at the bottom. Um, great, great card so, uh, car so far, though. <laughs> for our fifth matchup of GCW's Ride or Die, it is a six-person tag match as the team of Los Pesos and Rina Yamashita go against the team of the one called the Manders and the rejects of John Wayne Murdoch and Reed Bentley. Cool seeing Reed Bentley and Manders fit in perfectly with that team. I loved that trio as a team and Rina fit in perfectly with Los Macisos as well. And I was waiting for some sort of fuckery in this one. I didn't know if they were getting glass. I was trying to remember last time we were to tell y'all if we got glass or not, but I was interested to see the amount of fuckery we got. And we got the doors, the chairs and stuff. So this made that match a uh, pretty extreme and pretty violent. And it was a, a pretty fun and entertaining match. I enjoyed seeing, like I said, seeing the rejects back together was a cool part for me during this match. I don't want to fuck up the flow because I was going to go into my notes. I just wanted to kind of mention because it was breaking here. I don't know if you saw it. It was on Facebook. GCW is going to Tijuana. August 13th. Fucking Tijuana. Listen to this. Here's why I broke in. Not only are we bringing the crew to Tijuana, but we are coming to make history as we present the first exploding death match in GCW history. Holy shit. Oh, shit. I see the uh, poster. Okay, we got our res. I see our res. Confirmed to appear, Damien666. 
the clope miero extremo joey janela psychosis extreme tiger gringo loco joe Leiter, baby extreme the rejects jimmy lloyd cole radrick and more that's going to be a fucking crazy show we're going to get to see some old gcw maybe where it was a lot of weapons and fuckery that's yeah that's interesting <laughs> I just I wanted to mention that because that's like a first time historical thing or I probably wouldn't have said much else about it. But okay, so yeah, um <clears throat> let's get back here to our six person tag team match. So Los Macisos and Rina Yamashita versus One Called Manders and the Rejects. Honestly, there's nothing new for me to say about this six that hasn't already been said many times over. So I felt like going right into the match on my notes. So in Las Vegas, between you and I, dude, I honestly feel like we started the Cyclope chants that we've been hearing ever since. Also, I'm wondering with the chants, could we see Macisos turning face? And would that change them? Yeah, I know, right? Do you think they didn't come into GCW as faces? I don't think either. No, they didn't. Um, so something's changed. That's a, like I said, I feel like they've been losing, and I think maybe that's setting them up to separate. But as regards to faces, yeah, I think they'd still kind of face, even though they just wrestle however. Then I guess during the matches, sometimes they get a little uh, dirty, and Ciclope, of course, has a little wry look on his face, like, aha, see, I did this and I didn't get caught. So I don't know. That's a tough one. I don't think they're turning heel, but I don't think they ever really were heel other than when they first came back. So Ciclope was wrestling with the backpack again. Doesn't want to wrestle Manders. No one tags in with him for a while. It was a funny little spot. Rena kisses the Macisos for instant motivation. She breaks into a six-person fight, broke down into the SGC rejects beating on Macisos and Rena. One at a time. Minute four, Murdoch started grabbing chairs and a door from underneath the ring. The Macisos were also grabbing doors. Mander was mostly staying in the ring and wrestling while the chaos was going around him, um, basically on the outside. There's a nice little spot I want to mention here where Rena grabs double balls on both rejects. Murdoch grabbed Miedo. Miedo grabs Galt. Bentley grabs Ciclope. Ciclope grabs Manders. So they're all having a ball. It was funny. I fucking loved it. But um, Murdoch was put through a door bridge. Yamashita was put through a door. The, ah, wow. Wow. Everyone throwing chairs Sabu style into each other's heads. Um, towards the end here, we had a chair bridge made. Bentley goes to the top rope and grabs Yamashita. Rena hit a splash mountain on Reed Bentley for the win. Our winners here, Los Macisos and Rena Yamashita. God damn, dude. That threw me off with the little rim shot thingy. That's I had to do it. Always, huh? Yeah, it's one of the one of the ones I get to react with. And that was perfect time. Well, not perfect time. I got to work on my timing better. That's funny. <laughs> violent little match. Busy. No glass. No one bleeding. And it was still violent. Yeah, that's the one thing I found interesting, too, that there wasn't like really any blood. I, I didn't notice there was a, uh, no blood. I thought maybe somebody got blood from the chairs. But uh, oh, I, I meant, maybe I meant to say no one's really visible. Oh, no, yeah. Yeah. You could you could be right too. I, I just was trying to think off the top of my head, but um, I'm glad that they are able to kind of do these matches to fill in for the death match, and it was still fun. And um, yeah, I like I like Rena team with Masisas. I think she fit in pretty well there. And that yeah, the everyone's having a ball uh, spot was probably the highlight of this match for me. It was it was pretty fun seeing the referee even get involved with it. Dude, these guys had a really good time, and. Um... 
I'll go into something a little interesting here. The rejects end up turning on manners, and that's total rejects. That's just how it is. They start beating him up. Masiso Serena then come back to the ring and saves, save him. And yeah, the rejects were just being assholes. They were being total rejects. <laughs> so uh, next is intermission. There's the uh, mic picking up the music again. Thank you for that. It is in my notes here, such an integral part of the awesome feeling after a match. Can consider this, I would say we need to really mimic the big companies when it comes to audio. So if you hear that fan noise is 30% of the whatever, that's because for multi-million dollar, billion dollar companies that works for them, doesn't hurt for us to mimic those things so that we could also make sure our sound is just the same. When the crowd pops, we need to hear the crowd pop, not from 30 feet away. We need to hear the crowd pop right in our faces with us. So, yeah, that was the last I wanted to really mention it. It just it came in again. And I wanted to say that when they did it this time, it was there and it sounded good. So I'm a stickler on this. episode. (laughs) Well, so far, the first half of the show was pretty much what I expected. It was very much entertaining and uh, good energy, too, from the crowd and from what we could notice. Throughout the show, but I've enjoyed this card up until this point. I I was I surprised to see the intermission. I was like that for intermission for just a couple doors and chairs, but oh well. Uh huh. That's what it I is, thought too. It, yeah, that's what I was like. Okay, maybe they're really going to set up some fuckery now, but uh, I didn't really see that in the next coming matches coming up. When I was looking during the intermission, I was like, they're not going to get crazy unless uh Blake unless Gringo gets crazy with Blake because Gringo usually gets crazy. And these big matchups with like him and a psycho clown, we see him willing to do any and every spot and weapon and bricks and all that stuff. So um, when we came back, there was no fuckery set up. So I was obviously wrong already. And that will lead us into the sixth <laughs> match. Yeah, right. Right. That's wrong already. Yeah. I was, I was wondering like, wow, why is there an intermission unless they're setting up some fuckery, but did not get that. But we got a nice clean ring for the sixth match of the night, which is a six-way scramble match with Starboy Charlie, Bobby Flacco, Hunter Drake, Jimmy Lloyd, Kenzie Page, and Terry Yaki. It was cool seeing the New South people in this scramble too. Like it yeah. was it was good to see Terry Yaki, Kenzie Page, and Hunter Drake, and Bobby Flacco, even though Bobby Flacco ends up joining team GCW uh, for that GCW versus New South, which I thought was pretty funny. Um short. Quick but high pace scramble. That's what yeah. I kind of wrote in my notes. I was like, just it was short, high fat, high speed. But I was nice seeing Kenzie Page added to the scramble because we don't really really get a lot of like the women wrestlers added to the scrambles. They'll have like their own little spotlight matches. So I wanted to see how she kind of fit in because I know we talked bad about her during one of the collective shows, and I found out that she's like an NWA champion, and that's all couple matches of hers there i'm like okay yeah i take it back she's actually pretty good in the ring and just had an off night and this was uh another match that further solidified that i was wrong and she's she held her own in this scramble like she got some time to do uh pretty cool spots uh with jimmy lloyd as well all right so here we go i think this review will be longer than the match we should probably time (laughs) this somehow okay so yeah, we're looking at 925 on the recording there. So Starboy would be considered the heavy favorite in this match. He's kind of been on a roll the last couple matches, and he's been winning. Bobby Flacco, if you didn't know, he has a fantastic YouTube page, also on Twitter. 
he recently traveled all throughout Central and South America, and he documented absolutely everything. He shares it with everyone. Fascinating stuff if you appreciate other cultures. Uh, Hunter, looking ready to go. I'm looking forward to seeing him grow into his body. Uh, good length. He has a great move set there. Jimmy Lloyd, it's obviously not a scramble without Jimmy Lloyd. He's the one true ring general of the scramble. Kennedy Page, um, for me, I've seen her a few times. I'm looking forward to seeing maybe some of her best tonight. We'll see. Teriyaki, I'm always happy to see Teriyaki. Uh, there's innervation. Innervation. There's innovation. <laughs> moveset shows impressive agility and speed. But this was a standard fast-paced action scramble. Terry was showing off. There was a new move I've never seen off the ropes. It was very hard to describe. Um, I can't even describe it is it the rebound like the rebound back suplex yeah that shit was on another level i've just i've never seen anything like that before yeah Uh, he's got a couple like different rebound moves i've seen him kind of start incorporating one the corner one that he usually does is really cool i don't i don't know if he did it in this one or not but damn he's good though so the one thing I kind of noticed in this one that is really something I'm not big on um with women wrestlers Kenzie's also a screamer for some reason, with women wrestlers particularly, I'm so sorry. That's the one thing I'm not into. There aren't many men who do it. If men do it, uh, I just, I'm not into it. It's just constant screaming. It's just, yeah. But outside of that, the two things that I wrote that I think are very important, I put that she is very strong. She executes and sells well. I wanted to make sure that I put that in there because I don't want to just be like, oh, screamer. No, I don't like the screaming thing, but absolutely everything else delivers. Tons of GCW chance as all six wrestlers are fighting all over the hall. A great spot where Hunter Drake does a moonsault from an opera box. Then Teriyaki goes up even higher from the balcony and does a dive down. More GCW chance go off. Our uh, our ending kind of went like this. Starboy hit a poison Rama, Rana on Jimmy. Starboy then with a cosmic swirl on Bobby Flacco covers him for the three for the win. Our winner, Starboy Charlie, he is becoming our star. Yeah, he that was a good victory for him, but what kept the momentum going? And that I like the balcony spots. Hunter Drake and then Teriyaki even one up and it was pretty crazy. Like he just thought when Teriyaki fell too, like the camera angle was perfect. Kind of felt like watching a. Was it Shane McMahon when he was like falling from the yes when he was climbing up on the Titan trying to kind of just fell backwards just like was falling like that's kind of how Teriyaki looked in it it came off looking really good I think on on Fight TV and that was a fun cool spot for the scramble that I didn't think it would get that crazy and everyone stepped up I I was taking notes here Bobby Flacco is kind of growing on me a little bit like how Teriyaki is growing on me about same speed and as fast because of his innovative moonsault. Like or hit it in moonsault when his innovative moves like he had a reverse like jumping X factor from the top rope and then back rolled into Jimmy Lloyd and turned uh-huh. that into like a back roll up standing bulldog which was cool like he's innovative too and I that's a yes. tag team we were going off tag teams I want to see Teriyaki and Flacco go against like the Bang Bros I think they'd have a Ooh, fun match that's there. a good fun one. and an innovative match a lot of great tag team moves I think both of them. Gosh, yeah, that's a good point. So that's really cool then, because yeah, Flacco's my boy, dude. Dude rocks. Um, it's just like some of the others. Like it just takes a while. You have to watch them, and then after a while, once you've seen their library of move, you know, moves and their move set, that's when you're like, okay, 
I get it now. Sometimes it takes 10 matches. Sometimes it takes five. It just depends on how deep they have to go into their, into their book to find some shit to pull out. And it's really cool. Now you found a couple things on Bobby where you're like, okay, the jury's out, but it's kind of going towards Bobby being all right. That's I loved it. Like the first couple of times I saw him, this is kind of how like my whole fandom of his kind of like I saw him like, okay, cool. He's got the dirt bike gimmick. Oh, he's got the crowd behind him. Oh, cool. Mini, mini dirt bike, like a mini undertaker going around the ring. Awesome. That's cool. That's something that's right, not being right. done. Good job. And then like every single time we've seen him, like he's done something different and innovative that like, I've never seen. Like I don't see often in wrestling, like a, a non-typical move, and he's executing them perfectly. And that's why I'm like, yeah, I'm starting to fall in love with him. Each time I see him, he's doing different. Same as Teriyaki, like still innovative moves. Like I think Teriyaki has kind of like the more complete package, just at a very small, like embryonic stage of his. But like once he breaks out, it's going to be crazy because like I think he's got the look, the attitude. Like his moveset's good and the crowd gets behind him. I love the name. Obviously, it's a fun name to say. And I really think he's starting to get it in the ring. His charisma is starting to come through. And then now with Bobby Flacco, I'm starting to see as Teriyaki, as I've seen in Teriyaki, it's like Teriyaki's a little bit ahead of now where I see Bobby Flacco. And I'm seeing the same thing for Bobby Flacco. And it's been fun to see. And his YouTube channel is cool too. Like you get a lot of uh, cool stuff on his channel, that stuff you never would. See, like the other day, I think he posted like a two minute clip up to Twitter of like him staying in like um, a hostel I, somewhere. Yeah, right? right. For like 20 bucks. And like he's saying, like, oh, I got this shower, I got this bed area. And like I'm just chilling here for, I got to until the airport the next day. And like it's cool. Like you get to see how he's traveling and doing how he's living. Kind of like he's doing like his own, um, the life of kind of like on IWTV. He's just doing his own on uh, YouTube. And I think that's pretty cool because he's bringing a lot of, especially the stuff that he's done in like South America. That's stuff that we, I would never know about if it wasn't through him. And it's been interesting to watch those shows. It's probably stuff I'd never do. Like exactly. some of the stuff he's doing, he's trying to save like as much money as possible and stay in places where, you know, he's trying to just, well, low, he's trying to just stay for as little as possible in places. He's going there. He's meeting people. He's making friends. He's, um, He's being told half the time that he's in dangerous areas and he finds out it's just, you know, there might be dangerous areas here and there, but mostly it's filled with nice people. And yeah, it's been really interesting to see him, you know, flow down, you know, float down the river and some of the fucking like monkeys and shit coming up and he's building a shelter at one time. I'm like, damn. So yeah, overall really like him a lot, but uh yeah, back to this here, Starboy picking up his second consecutive win. His last one was at the FSW GCW2 show. There were those two big dives. For me, that was the highlight of this match. And yeah, I would have liked to have seen just a little more Bobby Flacco. So I would have been happy with just a little more out of him. But of course, we can only do so much. Did you hear? Uh, did you hear Lucy or Luna barking? There? I was about to say. I think Lucy's a big fan of Bob. <laughs> they're my. They're dogs. They're female dogs, man. These are my bitches. <laughs> I enjoyed this weekend. This was the start off of it too. I'm gonna go right past that. Yeah, I, I saw that. No, no, no. It's the, they're my bitches. Like, wow. <laughs> but um i've been enjoying like how new south is presenting and their their workers throughout this whole weekend they seem like they spotlighted hunter drake teriyaki bobby flacco and 
Kenzie Page from the whole weekend is from what I thought. Uh, um, as each all three events happened, I think those were like the four spotlight people that New South wanted to show off, and they did an excellent job in showcasing their talents to uh, to the new GCW crowd, possibly. But like I said, I I was wrong on Kenzie. I take that back. She stepped up and she had a great match in this one. She had a great main event on New South versus GCW uh, on the third show that we'll go, go over later on in the week. But um, yeah, and Teriyaki and Flacco have been killing it. I like I said that I I took note of that. I want to see these two in a tag team against the Bang Bros. I think that'd be awesome, awesome innovative tag team match. I think you got something there. Uh, book it, <laughs> book it, book, book it, Lauderdale. Come on, Lauderdale, book it, buddy. <laughs> right. All right. So uh, yeah, I think that brings us on to our next one, my friend. All right, our seventh matchup of the evening is a tag team match with the team of Joyer Wreck. I remember Joyer Wreck, Joey Janella, and Sawyer Wreck going against the team of Team Bussy. Fun match. I like. I don't know. I just feel like seeing Bussy going against like. Even though they haven't gone against like Sawyer and Joey, at least this one felt like a fresher matchup. But as the match turned out, just kind of. I don't know. I I was expecting a little bit more from this matchup than I kind of got, but um, the end picked it up and kind of saved it for me. I really liked the whole ending sequence um, for this matchup. Okay, so hear me out. I got a couple ideas for names for Joey Janela and Sawyer Wreck. Are you ready? How about Janela Wreck? Or how about Joey Wreck? Now, here's a weird one. Janela Wreck and Crew. So in case there's more than two, there's three or four. It's Janela Wreck and Crew, but it's Wrecking Crew. Janela Wrecking Crew. That one's kind good. I like that one. Kind of interesting. Well, Janela Wrecking Crew almost sounds like a, a company that does, I don't know, garbage disposal <laughs> or some shit. Um, also, I was noticing that Effie had a daddy pair of undies on there. And uh, then we had Allie with the mommy ones. That was I cool. Think, I did like that part. I think it would be cool if we take either Dylan McQueen or Pero, and we have Baby Bear. We could have oh, Daddy, Lord. Mommy, and Baby Bear. And actually, for Baby Bear, Pero would be Pero fucking be, hilarious. Yes. Dude is a bear. Oh like, yeah, just be so great. But also, <laughs> Dylan McQueen is such like he would so fit the part because he's young, and like it would just work because he's still young. Like, yeah, I have a better way to put it. But yeah, we can have Daddy, Mommy, and Baby Bear. <laughs> I just. <laughs> I don't know. I was tired, but I was feeling imaginative, I guess. So, yeah, Janela Reckon Crew, I thought was kind of interesting because something could actually be done with that. Funny enough, I've I've heard people called worse. I'll say that <laughs> much. So, um, all right, let's go ahead and get this one rolling. Bussy was out to huge cheers as always. Big fun when they're both together. It's like a party. Joey and Sawyer have their entrance. I was laughing at Joey. He wanted to kind of crawl underneath and through the legs yeah. of Sawyer, but she started walking off. Uh, <laughs> and then he like turned around. He's like, he asked her to come back so he could do it still. So she went over there and like opened her legs so he can go over. <laughs> then he did and proceeded to basically roll down the fucking steps. Like it was good stuff. Um, it looks like GCW is maybe going to go with this tag team for a while. And I like the idea. They're both talented. Sawyer has enough of a persona that she won't be overshadowed by Joey. And Sawyer stands to gain almost everything from this partnership with him. Uh, Janela also is smiling with his front two still missing. 
maybe maybe I should have stopped before I said the front two stuff, but maybe I'm I'm sure you may may agree with me, but she's got a she's got a big enough image there that Joey's not gonna Joey's really not overshadowing her. He's complimenting her. Yeah, I, I think she's unique enough and that she was gonna get her own fan base and it's kind of like if we kind of compare it to Effie and Allie, like Effie's going to have his fa- fan base with or without Allie's. I think Sawyer's going to have the same way. And I don't think that Joey's overshadowing her at all. I, I thought that maybe that would be the case that Joey would yep. be too big, too big of a name to team up with Sawyer at this point in Sawyer's career. And uh, as you said, like, it's, it's worked out perfect where Joey's kind of like controlling the match and stuff, but like perfectly timing for Sawyer to do her spots and to get herself over big time throughout these matchups as well. So I was also curious on how this was going to be booked. Was this face versus face or, you know, do we have a heel booking options were completely open for this one. So we get ready to get rolling. We had fuck them up alley chance from the crowd. Effie said something to Allie and I couldn't hear it. I don't know exactly what it was. And again, there's where we had no ringside audio, but it would have been really cool to hear whatever it was. Sawyer was not shy with those huge boots to the face. I'm going to say it again. It works. I really like having her have it in her offense. Not many can do that, but she can. So why not fucking use it? That's, you know, it's like a hoss. They can do things that others can't do. So that's why they do it. And that's what makes them special. These fucking big boots make Sawyer special. So I hope she keeps with it. This match it was not working as a joke match. It really was a real wrestling match. Outside of a few spots, you almost wouldn't recognize the people in the ring as the performers. This this was just more serious than usual. I notice Effie does a lot of the build up alley. She'll do a move and he'll like drop to a knee and kind of like make it look like she should be watched, like a focus on her. I really like that. I've noticed it more this match than ever before. A door comes out at minute 11 by Effie. A door is then arranged into the corner. Joey was pulling out chairs at minute 13. Fans were now booing the team of Janela and Rec. Interestingly enough, it, it took a while, but it got there. A nice little spot, a super sack rider on Sawyer, followed up by a sack rider on Janela by Effie. Effie then, we're going to go to the finish here because that's about the best way to put it. I feel like I'm dragging just a little bit here. So towards the end, Effie builds a door bridge. Effie is then on the top rope with Sawyer. She slams him down on the canvas for the win. Allie then spears Joey into a door and Sawyer covers Effie for three. Wow. I put she slams him down on the canvas for the win. (laughs) What the hell? Anyway, yeah, Sawyer covered Effie for the win. Joey Janela and Sawyer Rec were our winners. I've... I guess maybe because the ending was so awkward as to why my notes are awkward. You you did see how this ended, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think maybe that's why my notes are a little awkward because I was trying to type out what I was trying to write there. Um, no lie, though, that door didn't break. So Joey had Sawyer launch him into the unbroken door and he broke it after about two solid attempts. That's that's kind of what I'm talking about to the hardcore fans. Okay, here's what happened. <laughs> Basically, both of the big spots fucked up. And it was kind of like it was kind of funny and it wasn't anything crazy. It was just okay, here's how it went. Basically, on the side with Effie and Sawyer, Effie just had a misstep and that's that happens all the time. 
But the only reason why I'm kind of mentioning it is because his misstep, he almost cracked the back of his fucking head off of either the door or the chair. And that could have been a really bad night for everyone in the arena if they would have seen him just knocked out and probably bleeding. So that actually was fortunate. It wasn't worse. And I know Sawyer did the best she could to try to recover from that. So like I said, normally we don't talk about these things, but I want you to say in this one, Effie was really fortunate. He could really hurt himself bad. So, and then the other one with Joey, I'm only mentioning because at the end they made a point to break that door. Um, Yeah. Joey just bounced off the door. We've actually been having that a few times where people have been kind of bouncing back and off of things just because the materials are just so strong. And it's like Joey too. Every time it's Joey, not saying it's like (laughs) his fault, but like he's like the one that doesn't bounce. He bounces off the tables. You know what? It's weird. Maybe he's just like all that weight loss now. He's just, I don't know. It's something else. What else got me here was the fact that this was almost an 18 minute match. I was really surprised and happy that they let them breathe. And then of all that time, it was less joke and more seriousness. And I really enjoyed it. I know. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I just, I really enjoy that stuff. Wrestling. Yeah. That is. yeah, I've, that's why I've been enjoying Effie. Like when he gets like the more serious Effie, like I know he's going to do his spots about the match. That's the comedy, and that's Effie. But when it does like step up and it's action time, like he's been killing it lately. And I even like wrote during this match, like I loved his interaction with Sawyer Rick. Like during the chop battle at the beginning, he's like, "All right, my turn. I'm going to get you." And he hits her, and he's just like, "Oh shit, I barely heard her." He's like, you just see the look in his eyes, like I'm about to get lit up right here. But I'll go back to what you were saying with him and Ali, and I think he does this with almost every competitor and teammate like Effie does a great job of getting everyone else over throughout these matchups as yep. he's playing. He's been like the best hype man as Ali's tag team partner. He's making the way he's selling Sawyer wreck throughout this match and making her look like a million bucks was awesome. Him and Joey's just always going to have pretty good chemistry. I want to see kind of see them kind of have another crazy, just one-on-one matchup, especially now that's Effie that we got sober Effie kind of going and he's getting, seems like he's getting crazier and crazier i want to see him like right before uh he's able to uh was he on probation right uh for like a month or yeah so so there's so many angles there they could do an angle where joey likes to party and effie doesn't and that's a clash again i think effie should be a reformed baptist and I'm, i'm just telling you he should be a reformed baptist and he should come out there and be like i've changed for the better I found God, you're all sinners. It would be fantastic. Um, anyway, anyway, though, um, I, I heard you saying that, uh, you know, those two should get together for kind of an old school thing. I'm there with you on that. And between the both of them, with all the uh, creativity that they have, it could uh, it could make for something special if they give them, you know, eight weeks, four weeks to work with to maybe have a nice build both of them could do something joey in the ring but effie you know making video packages so on and so forth could uh really put in something good there but creatively on the other side of it they pour over so much with creativity between the both of them you almost need to keep them separate so that they can take a young person like sawyer and elevate them uh yeah so i'm, I'm torn but I see what you're saying and would be really interested in seeing two of the older guard of GCW go at it. I was just, sorry, I was just watching the, the 
table spot. spot. Joey even threw himself back into it like as much as possible. Like you see him kind of go like that, and you just see like yeah. Alley Catch when it didn't break Alley Catch. Like oh shit again. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, that was I didn't I didn't miss that part live, I, but uh, I didn't want to really. We don't really mention fuck ups too often, but that one for crying out loud, it was funny. There was one that was kind of dangerous. The other spot was you know one of our yeah just bouncing off the damn thing. So. You know, it's only the hardcores listening to us anyway, so we can all have a fucking laugh together. Yeah, like I said, I never look at those as bad things. Like, I just look at it as like, hey, that shows you how hard, like, and you all want to say it's fake and all this stuff. Like, look how hard they actually have to hit each other with the glass or the go through the doors to show, like, show the realism on that effect. Like, hey, they are flying through a door here. You got to, you can't just sit on it and it breaks. Like, you got to throw a bunch of body weight through it. I've never went through a door. I think that'd be kind of cool. I went through a table and like the table, like the one. Yeah, I did. Like it's, I don't mind the table because like it's kind of like better than fucking hitting the concrete. But the the red the the metal rim, yeah, the metal rail around the whole table. That's what sucked. Like when when I saw doors, GCW is the first place I saw a door too. When I saw doors, I'm like, oh my god, that's so perfect. Like there's no metal around; they break just as easy. And like I, I don't know, just like. The metal part just fucking, I hated the metal part. I only threw the table once just to kind of see what it was. It was kind of a busted table anyway. It kind of already was pretty much broken, but I finished it as a as a tester in one of my wrestling classes. <laughs> like, I just wanted to jump through it, and I did. But, You're like, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, might as well do it. It was funny, too. Like, I was just talking about uh, with my father-in-law. Like, we brought up the Tijuana show. Like, I was, he was asking me, like, when I was training, like, how many matches. Like, I didn't have any, but I was like, the one, the one match I was almost didn't have, like for my first matchup, was going to be in Tijuana. Like, but it was going to be like a two hundred dollar payday for the weekend, and I was paying fifty bucks for the room, fifty bucks for the hotel, and then like I'm getting walking out of there with hundred bucks for food and everything. I'm like, I'm good. I'll just stay here. <laughs> and I was like, I was losing insurance and blah blah blah. So I was like, ah, it's just easier if I stay in town. But my first match was supposed to be in Tijuana, and it was like shortly before that match is when I first went through the first, my first table, and I was just like. Ah, those don't hurt they kind of break your fall yeah i've i've heard i've heard that it's actually beneficial for the damn thing to you know uh it, it just breaks the fall and a lot of people go well they cut the table actually you almost want the table to suspend with your weight for just a split second and then let you down you don't yeah, want the thing to broken just go you're just going right through, through it yep yeah fuck yep. that that's gonna hurt like hell <laughs> All right, so our next match is a fucking banger. Yes, it is. Yeah, I was going to say, is because you just said that. Did you, it is did our you eighth announce match. this one? Oh, okay, nope. you are now. Jeez. Yeah, I am now. It is our eighth <laughs> matchup as Meta Leak goes one-on-one with El Ijo Del Vikingo. And, of course, any Vikingo match, I'm all in. It was cool seeing Meta Leak back in. Uh, think of this thing. This is not his first time in GCW. I think we've seen him once or twice. Uh, we've, we've seen him. It's just been a while. Yeah, and I get the names since they all that came in uh, Masquerade Dorado, like when they all left WWE and like they kind of picked up their old names. I kind of get them all confused now. But um, just off the names and stuff like that. So I don't remember if we've seen Metalik or not, but it was nice seeing him in a GCW ring. And he looked great. Like the the his outfit was incredibly looking. Like his presence, like... He felt like this was going to be a big match. Like I felt watching this was good. This is like one of those lucha matches that's going to set the tone for future like generations. Because like I just know Metalik's freaking awesome, and with Vikingos, it can't be a bad matchup. But but just the way they presented themselves in this match, I was 
looking for a really good match, especially in Talia Hall with as much as, as Brazek said, as much Lucha history as they have in Chicago. Um, I was really looking forward to this match. And as always, it delivered. And um, one other one of those Vikingo matches, you just need to go out of your way to see. It was fun. <laughs> I want to see uh, either Vikingo or Commander take on Psycho Clown. I think that would be a fun little match. I was watching last night uh, like a triple uh, A show, and I don't know if it was just a bunch of run-ins or whatnot, but it was like the Young Bucks, Vikingo, Psycho Clown. They're all like in the ring together. I was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> it's funny you just huh. mentioned seeing the Psycho Clown and Vikingo. Like, I saw them in the ring. I want to say they were together at that point last night. Interesting. That so, would be so, a fun matchup. So I also wanted to mention, because I'm a sucker for this, I like Metal League's music. Have you? I don't know if you actually can hear it or not. When yeah. It comes out, but it's awesome. It's actually like classical Mexican mariachi. It is really fucking cool. And I don't know if you've ever been around people that have played that, but it takes fucking talent to be in a mariachi band. I'm not going to lie. And yeah, so I used to be a musician. So this is why I'm talking about this for a minute. Um, I actually had to room for a small amount of time with a guy that was in a mariachi band. So I had to listen to the music quite a bit. So it's like, I'm not a big fan of country music. But if you're around people that listen to a certain type of music all day long, after a while, you start to get your favorites. Yeah. Same thing. So, yeah. So mariachi music, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And it was a cool little song that he picked. So I just wanted to kind of mention that for a moment. Um, I don't know. That's like a sideways thing you probably never thought I'd say. (laughs) No. So um, then all of a sudden, you see everybody's phones go up. The music starts playing. The king goes here. Brett. Lauderdale, Vikingo is money well spent. I love Vikingo's green felt outfit also. I'll I'll touch on that for just a moment. Vikingo is definitely money well spent. Anywhere we go, the Vikingo match is a focus. The uh it, it feels like it brings in a lot more people too. I'll be honest, even know. watching it on Fight TV, like I saw Medley come out. I was like, oh, okay, here we go with the Vikingo match. Like, I legit get scared of the excitement in me sitting in my chair watching at home yeah. to see Vikingo matchups. Like, he's like him and Arez, like, right now are like my top two would go out of my way to watch them because they've just been putting on incredible matches and doing huh. stuff that I can only see those two do. I get anxious. <laughs> no I kind of like, do anxious. a little bit. When he does these spots, like, there's the one spot that he kind of messes up during this one but like every time he gets on the spots i get worried and anxious because like it's it's hard to do it but like i said he hit he'll hit nine out of ten he'll mess up one every show which is fine if i get nine incredible moves and i don't get that tenth i'm all for it but every time he sets it up like i'm like oh shit oh shit oh shit yeah that guy yeah he's throwing shit on another level i can't really say anything about uh, a slip on the rope or anything because what he's doing requires a precise foot of you know a half inch this way and he's he's fallen off those ropes like dude is just so good with that but my secret here is i'm gonna give out to everyone <clears throat> i have a hard time calling these matches it's just there's so much innovation they're executed at such a high speed you know It's just, it's really hard for me to take notes on this shit because it's like, oh, he just did this. And I'm like, how the fuck do I even explain that? And I'm actually seeing now why Emil's on the mic because everything is just so hybrid and unnamed that someone needs to be there to call out the moves quickly and can also piece together the name for some of the moves and holds executed because 
you know, I could see Prazak there. He's like, I've never seen that before. And then you'll he'll he'll hear Emil go, Well, yeah, it's like a standing star mm-hmm. splash with a blah 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 kicker. Like, yeah, exactly. Damn. Yeah. And and yeah, sometimes he'll be like that. He'll be like, it's an avalanche corkscrew double twist. And I'm like, holy shit. He's piece by piece taking, you know, and putting it together. And that's absolutely fantastic and i've said i've always thought mlj needs to be on every single one of these lucha calls i think i've said that since we started the podcast together because he enjoys lucha wrestling he knows the history he loves it he knows most of the names like i said like that's one thing i fall like in that and those like nowadays with some of these moves i forget like some of these names to them or i'll just do like oh it's a double backbreaker into a twist like how emil does but then like boom no it's actually the meteor or whatever you know what i'm saying like he has yeah. the move down and he knows and he's a student of the game. And this was a, I think you said it called it. This is the perfect example of him showing and letting his knowledge be known to the world of what he does with uh, Lucha Wrestling. I think he's a great Lucha commentator for GCW. So the men square off and the fans yelling Lucha, Lucha, followed by Ole chance, the Ole, Ole, Ole. I thought that was fantastic. A lot of excitement for Vikingo from GCW fans. We have a star on our shows. He's a draw. Every match I've seen him has been worth my money. I look forward to his matches. Losing Vikingo at any time is going to be a big problem. There was a crazy spot where Vikingo executed a head spin and literally pulled the mask right off of Metalik's face with his legs. I don't know if you've had a chance to see that spot, but I was like, damn. Yeah, I, like I hate... Even on accidents, when the mask comes flying up, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> Dude, that shit was crazy. All right. So, minute eight, they went to the floor together. Commander ate a super kick and got thrown into a bunch of chairs. Fans are yelling boo. And that's when they started booing everything Metalik was doing. <clears throat> Excuse me here. Up to the 11-minute mark, Metalik comes off as the veteran. And you can see that he's a little rough on Vikingo, but that's because he's a heel. Minute 12 and Vikingo is limping from damage to his knee. Vikingo is now slowing down a touch. He still executes a beautiful five-star frog splash that landed on Metalik, who was laying in the center of the ring. Metalik has gotten roughly 40% of the offense in by the 15-minute mark, but Vikingo's offense has had much more flash. Holy shit chance for Vikingo hitting a killer corkscrew dive from the second rope on the outside of the ring to the inside. GCW chance as fans are running up and pounding on the ring mid-match. Also, this is awesome chance we're coming out from the fans at this point. All right, so also we had Lucha Chance as Vikingo and Metalik exchange forearms. Vikingo beaten up badly, but standing toe-to-toe with Metalik. There's then a huge tope by Vikingo, created a, which created a ton of different kinds of chance. Fans are basically eating out of their hands. We had Fight Forever Chance, Lucha Chance. Vikingo then goes for a 6.30, and Blake Christian appears. He throws Vikingo off the top rope and stomps Metalik's head into the mat. This match was then considered a no contest and it was called. So Blake then grabs a microphone. He says, GCW, this is his house now. He says, no one to came, no one came to see a bunch of lucha bullshit, which the crowd hated. They came to see the GCW world champion, Blake Christian. He mentioned Chicago, Illinois, and he said, Yeah, I said it with the S. Ha 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 ha. 
So it was it was absolutely hilarious. Blake's entry is always very surprising and dickish. He's an ass and a spoiler type heel. This is the kind that we do not like. Um, I'll stop right there. Do you have anything to say? Because I just covered a whole bunch of stuff and I have heartburn. So I'll let you talk for a second. Uh, yeah, no, it was a good match. Um, uh, like you said, uh, seeing Metalik uh, in there, I still get like, I find it crazy every time when I watch Vikingo and like he catches someone like bigger and just catches them midair and doesn't like drop them ever. I think it's, it's yeah. awesome showing the strength, um, showing his strength. And that's uh, something that you won't expect watching Vikingo matches, but I really do enjoy whenever he gets to show off his strength. But yeah, I thought this was a great match. Once they were kind of down in the middle for a long time, I didn't think he Blake would come in, but I was thinking somebody else was going to come in. I didn't know exactly what. Um, and it was like, yeah, because they were just seemed like they were down there for a while. Um, and then when they finally kind of stood up and Vikingo was just standing on the top rope and Blake pushed him off, I was like, that's what I, I kind of expected, but I didn't think it would be Blake. I, I actually kind of lost track of time. And so when Blake came out, I looked, I'm like, Oh yeah, this is almost time for the main event, so this kind of makes yeah. sense. And it's a kind of a smart way to still keep Vikingo and Metalik strong, I guess. Like there is no winner. I think it's it ruins it because obviously there is no winner. And now that the last time I remember he he did this was during or Charles Mason did this during the East West Express versus Ali Catch and Effie match in AC. Like, and I was just like, hey, wait a minute, who's the fucking winner here? Like, why did we just watch 15 minutes of this match and there's no winner? And it's obviously to help get Blake more over, but um, I would have preferred to see a winner in that situation just because it was a fun match. And now that 21 minutes and now we get no winner and Blake's still dickhead. Well, my concern here, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, my concern here is that Blake and Mason don't cross paths. Why? They have similar heel styles all the way from the run-ins, you know, that... It's just screams Mason. So hopefully they stay a little bit away from each other because of that reason. I don't want them to, you know, be pulling double run-ins everywhere. I think this sets up a cool moment, though, that could possibly be like a triple threat match. Now, Metalik and Vikingo going against Blake Christian because they, he interrupted that match and there was not a winner. That sets up a possible match that I would be very interested to see. Oh, yeah. That's a good point, too. I'm supposed to see Vikingo against Blake. Not really. You throw Metalik in there just because he was in this match. But I, I think I want to see Vikingo against Blake Christian for the belt this time because their first match in UCC was only like eight minutes long, and that was his first match in GCW. So in that one, I don't think they ever did go back and add those. I gotta go back and check on Fight TV if they ever went and added those two matchups from him and Joey and AC as well. You know well. what? If they did, they probably would have announced it. I'm just yeah, thinking, true. you know what I mean? That would be such a big deal. Hey, go bring traffic to our episodes. We just added the, you know. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe they did. I'm just, of course, I'm just guessing. So who the, you know, who the fuck really knows? Um, Gringo Loco then runs out and everyone goes nuts. Blake and Gringo have a little skirmish and eventually they're separated long enough to have Emil announce them for the match. Purchase our match for the main event. He uh, purchase our match. Purchase our rep <laughs> for the main event. He gets a perch chant, which I thought was really cool. Gringo also gets his name chanted. So he's fighting out of and representing Chicago, Illinois, and the people go nuts. The base god Gringo Loco is in the house. 
Blake is out next, of course. He climbs the top turnbuckle and people heavily boo, amongst other things that were being said by the fans. We really lean heavily into our heels, and I do love that at GCW. Something GCW does well is that they don't have a stone-cold heel syndrome. Basically, where the more bad stuff the heel does, the cooler the fans think he is, so they cheer him like a face. So... I wanted to kind of mention that real quick because I, you've got a look on your face. I'm scared to ask. Uh, they added, uh, they added Joey and Vikingo's AC match, but they don't have Blake Christian versus Gringo. Okay, yeah, at America's Most Wanted yet. Yeah, there needs to be a rematch. Then it's coming. So yeah, um, I don't know if Sorry. you noticed that or not. No, no, that's good. But I don't know if you've actually noticed that or not. But GCW does have this thing with making sure that their heels don't turn into stone cold syndrome type heels where they get cheered instead of being booed. And yeah, they're, they're fortunate because that's a really difficult thing right now in the industry for quite a few companies. That was like the one the closest they did get that was Atticus when he was going against Jordan, like after the whole George stuff, everything Atticus did, even though he came in like the heel, like to cause and wreck shit up, like the fans were loving it because he was kind of like the deathmatch person that was fighting to yeah, deathmatch yeah. alive. So maybe that's why they're doing it. But he's been the kind of the closest I've seen GCW where, hey, like we want to keep him an asshole and a heel. We don't want them to cheer. But Atticus was the closest one that almost like it doesn't matter what you want. We're still going to cheer for him anyway. Well, I mean, you have to see that. I mean, with Blake Christian, they still like him enough to bull him with full support. They could kind of fuck with him in the other way and fuck with his booing and we're we have smart enough fans we can make him look ineffective and it would completely kill his run so you know what i mean we're all kind of i mean you know some of the chants i've heard was you used to be cool which was a funny chant and another one was like you still suck you know like even though i love that yeah and and it's just to show respect but uh yeah perch holds up the belt high and we're almost underway we had gringo chance side note it's amazing the fans aren't spent after an amazing match between Bikingo and Metalik. It was almost 22 minutes long before it was called a no contest. Normally, fans would be gassed out for the next match. Um, at this point, I put that they may gas out. I was unsure. I found out later they didn't. But also, again, two very similar style matchups are being featured back to back here, if you're noticing. Yeah. So. I find that interesting that they didn't maybe put Effie's match in between these two would be an interesting spot, possibly just thinking, but there may have been a reason for this and they may have considered it a double main event. I'm not really sure, but yeah, I, I didn't even think about that till you said so. It is kind of weird for the last two matches kind of be back to back like that. You normally you want a little break for them to kind of gather themselves and get back into the flow of the match instead of coming down from their high real fast and expecting them to stay up for another 20 minutes for the next match which is the main event yeah but i think it might be smart because it is gringo it's at least it was the hometown guy and in, and it was the main event yeah. against the top yeah. here so it did have a lot of stuff working that way but i didn't even think about that it does make more sense to have split him up just a little bit but uh yeah that's a good catch i mean as a performer would you want to have to follow the gringo right you know what i mean <laughs> This motherfucker's running the ropes and he's defying gravity. Dude's jumping on clouds. I mean, you know, but uh, 
Yeah, I knew that Vikingo and uh, Christian were easily going to deliver. I mean, between the both of them, there's so much fucking athleticism there, and they they definitely delivered. But um, if the card filled up with more stuff like these last two matches, GCW would be on another level as a like as a company. I I don't have a better way to put it. I don't like using ECW all the time, but it's time for GCW now to seriously keep looking at what they're doing and get ready to go to that next level. It's it's time. We we got maxed out in Vegas. We yeah. maxed out in LA. I think it, we max out in AC. Yeah. I well, think so. when they're when they're not fighting in a warehouse, like the size <laughs> of a you know a huge ass warehouse, but yeah, I'm I'm hoping we see that here soon. Hoping we see them go to the next level, and it's I think it's been possible. It's been beneficial to having a present champion, even though we all hate them. It's been nice having the championship be constantly in our eyes on every show and being talked about throughout each event because that obviously helps a lot of the momentum and stuff for the company that we were yeah. seeing for a little bit when we had a kind of a part-time champion. Well, man, it's just, I can't believe these guys had to follow had to go after Vikingo still that, that blows my mind because as a fan, you're like, okay, they did that. How do you, how do you follow up and, you know, make it just as exciting? And they did. I don't know. I, I think feel it's like I'm perfect. repeating myself, but it's it's. I think it's just a perfect scenario for them to follow that up, and it was perfect kind of lead in to get Blake on the mic as we kind of say we don't want him on the mic, but he definitely got his booze in Chicago, and I, he is way more comfortable now as this heel on the mic, and I thought he did really good work of getting the fans to shit on him even more as he shit on Lucha Wrestling, and I mean, <laughs> I think Gringo is going to have a say. I think these two, like, I, they might have done this on purpose, like I said, to set up maybe like some sort of maybe fatal four way match or triple threat because Vikingo is pretty much like a gringo loco kind of guy, like the yep. lucha stuff. I don't know how with Madalik and stuff, but like, I know as much as gringo and Vikingo are around that it added into the main event of it being more personal now than it already was. And then him shitting on lucha wrestling in his home state of Chicago, I thought it was perfect if you're going to do it this way this was the perfect way or time to do it and i think it was a perfect lead-in to the main event to get still have the crowd be energized and enthusiastic throughout this main event because of blake christian's heel antics yeah it was well thought out and well executed i'd have to say whoever put it all together whether it was brett or whether it was blake or it was well done oh now i thought i now remember who i thought was going to come out was uh during that, well, I didn't think it was going to be Blake. I thought it was going to be Charles Mason, just playing off of kind of what they did with uh, House of Glory with Mason and Vikingo. I thought that's what it might have. Oh, that's, okay, who, okay. that's who I was thinking of, not Blake. And then when Blake came, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> but, you know, I'm I'm wondering if we're going to be working more with House of Glory after that little run in and everything with East West, and um, I hope so. Who's over there? Talk to me, maybe, I, or, or you just don't know, and we can look it up when we get a chance. But uh, main event roster, who's who's over there? The main event's cool. Um, they had Carlito there, but he doesn't. He's not a normal person over there. But I thought that was pretty cool having him over. Um, amazing red, which is still awesome to see. Um, trying to pull it up right here, right here, real fast. I'm trying to think of this name that saw back like when I was watching them. Like we, they used to get the Briscoes all the time. Um, yeah. They actually got someone else working over there too, uh, um, from GCW that I thought was pretty interesting. I can't remember the name off the top of my head here. 
Uh, Motor City Machine Guns, I know, have definitely done some stuff over there. Yeah, so they got Charles Mason, Main Event. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of other names like we could be Jacob Fatu. Alec Price, I didn't know Alec Price wrestled over there a couple times. Um, Alex Shelley's been over there a couple times. Leo Rush, Loki, Ardona. I mean, they got like a pretty good like names. Speedballs worked over there, so they don't really have like kind of like their normal ones are kind of more the the New York people. Like Mason, I know I've seen him on almost every show and main event. So um, I'm just trying to think of other names similar to what we see in JCW. Oh, you know what? I'm looking right here. Yeah, Charles Neon, Midas Black, Amazing Red. Yeah, they don't even have a roster on their page because of... Oh, Jordan's going over. That's who it was. Jordan's going over over there on this weekend, actually, uh, for their student showcase. But it looks like he's like in the main event of that show. Interesting. Yeah. But hopefully that's probably going to lead into the, the GCW show coming up there, is what I'm assuming. I might run like a little angle at the end of that night with... Uh, what's his name? Um, Amazing Red. And probably mm. set up that title match. Interesting. Yeah, I was just looking who's worked there in the last two years. It uh, Charles Mason is definitely one of the top guys that have been there. Amazing Red. So, yeah. Uh, I saw a couple interesting names over there, too. and trying to think of a couple of them. I already took the page, got rid of the page before I <laughs> looked at some of these damn names. Anyway, okay, so Blake Christian Gringo Loco. Did you announce this match, or am I just going into it? Uh, I don't think so but i'll do it real All fast right. <laughs> our main event after blake christian ruin and vikingo versus metalik is Last blake man. christian defending the gcw world title against gringo loco yes blake christian is still a bastard he's a bastard i wasn't he's even thinking fucking <laughs> fuck him i'll be honest this was the first time i thought blake was going to lose the belt even though it is only his second fence yeah. No, is this his first defense of it or second? Uh, this is Blake's first, first. defense. Yeah, first right defense. Here. Impressive first defense. Yeah, so based off of everything, it being in Chicago, Gringo Loco Chicago, and uh, the Blake Christian mission that, missing the LA show because of uh, prior commitments, I was thinking too, like this would be a good shot for Loco to win it. And as the match kind of played on and Dave Prezak's commentary, he definitely had me leaning towards Gringo Loco winning the belt in his home in his home city and just having like a feel good moment. Maybe because of Blake missing the L.A. show of what could possibly be happening in the future shows as GCW champion. I thought maybe if they were going to take the belt off of Blake because of that, this would be a good time to do so, even though it is only the first title defense. But um this was, I was thinking he was going to lose it. Like, I didn't really think I would have that. I wouldn't have had that thought if he was going against Blackwood, like in LA that we were right, right. So it was kind of nice, like throughout this match. And like I said, Prezak did an excellent job on commentary, getting me moving towards Gringo becoming the new champion. Um, this was a great matchup. I'm glad it was giving what, 24 minutes of time here. And it told a great sh- story. And fucking Blake is just <laughs> incredible as a heel. And it's been fun watching uh, this version with him. So I'm trying to figure out where, but didn't Gringo Loco just recently win a championship somewhere? Um, in Warrior Wrestling, the Lucha Belt. Yeah, he's uh he's a champion. So at this point, was it champion versus champion, but only the one you know the title belt was on the line, world title. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I was just wondering about that because, like I said, Gringo looks good with belts draped over him. I I think he is a champion and. Uh, 
he should get that respect because it seems like uh, he carries a good name with a lot of people and fans love him. Fans like me. Oh, he also just won the Defy Championship. That's what it was. There we go. Okay, okay, okay. I was, Defy I was wondering. Champion. I remember him. I remember seeing he won something. I just couldn't tell you what the hell it was. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to this matchup because this is one of the next few. Like, of this is <laughs> the next four or five matches after this that looks like are being booked right now for Blake Christian are more like locals and not true GCW regulars that would be contenders. So as a smart fan, quote unquote, I'm not expecting the belt to change hands anytime soon. So I thought if there's a chance to do it, maybe this gringo local match. And then after that, it may be a while because he's down south fighting somebody and then he's over here fighting Rudy Tootie McGee and shit. <laughs> so, you know, so it's not really a contender unless, you know, Rudy Tootie wants to travel the country with us with, you know. But um, fuck him up. Gringo chance came right from the beginning. Blake was fighting as a disrespectful asshole. A reminder at some point, Tony Deppin will be back and there could be a good ego versus ego matchup between the two of them. Both are dicks. So we could have a dick off between the two. Uh, No, it is possible. And I believe between the both of them, they've had a match that delivers every single time. Yeah. There's similar height, weight, the whole thing. Uh, through the whole match, like I said before, Blake is an ass. He was playing to the fans the entire time. Half the time, he wasn't even watching his opponent. He was just playing to the fans. So I know you say this with Alec Price, but I'll say it with Blake Christian. He still has a face move set. Not complaining, but here's another case of the heel with an exciting move set. And this gets acknowledged by the fans when he does something cool, like we were saying. And they were like, well, you still suck. You know, that was but fucking awesome, but you still suck. He was doing that for a while of this iteration of his character when he was kind of first turned after New Year's this year. He was at first couple matches denying on purpose the movesets. Like, remember, he would tease like the Fosbury flop and then just kind of sit in the middle of the yep. lay down and do the suck it. Like it said, like, fuck you guys. Like, that's what I really <laughs> liked it, because that's what you're supposed to do as a heel. Like you said. You don't give us the moves we want to see, even though you could do them. That's your job as a heel to make us hate you more for not delivering on the cool stuff. I wish he would go back to that a little bit more just because uh-huh. it plays better into the character. But I also love seeing all the high flying shit. So I, while I don't mind seeing him doing it, I think for his character to when his character works best is when he kind of doesn't do that. So um, I kind of find myself like 50 50 on that with him. No, I get you. All right, so let me take a drink here because, like I said, man, freaking heartburn tonight. From uh, okay, I'm not gonna lie. Do you want to know what did it? Okay, there's a restaurant out here. Nah, nah, man. There's a restaurant. There's a restaurant out here I had for lunch called Steamy Weenies. You ever heard of it? (laughs) No, dude, it's fucking awesome. Okay, so basically, you can pick a hot dog anyway. Well, the thing is, is it's the only place I've found that makes a good bacon wrapped hot dog. So I had a bacon wrapped coney with cheese and onions. So right now I'm like heartburn from I'm guessing the onions. I have to check that place out because in Niagara Falls, uh, I have family out there. And every time we went there, there's a place called Whistle Pigs and they had like the 
it was a bacon wrapped hot dog with cheese sauce on it and onions. Yep. And it was the fucking best hot. Like every time we went that, back there to see family, I was like, can we go to whistle? Like every day, like every meal I was like, can we go to whistle? Pigs? Can we go to whistle pigs? So I definitely had to find this place out. Cause I would definitely, I would try it out. Yeah. Um, it's right off of uh, 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 Green Valley and the 215, like okay. right off of Green Valley and 215. So anyway, anyway, yeah, though. So bacon wrapped hot dog got me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So minute six, they're on the outside abusing each other. Fans fingers are flying in Blake's face. There's a nice spot where Gringo had a uh, sent on Atomico where he hits the floor almost clean, which ouch. Realizing Gringo is so fucking good is what I put in my notes here. <laughs> Another great spot, Blake with a Dragon Rana from the apron onto the floor. A, a lot of innovation was going on in this match. Again, this was so close to the Vikingo match when it comes to giving us something different, giving us something fresh, obviously giving us something we haven't seen before. And God, they made it all look so good. I felt like the fans were being treated to a match with less familiar moves. And I really like that. Blake was trying to ride ref Perch's ass for not counting three nor quick enough, but the fans answer back with heavy boots on that. Blake, again, having his problems with referees as usual, <laughs> but um, I'll talk about more about that later. Yeah. That's where I kind of get a, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this has become a show-off competition in athleticism. That's what I wrote here in this match. Lots of back and forth. Neither man in control of the match for very long. Another spot I'd like to mention, Gringo standing on the ring apron with Blake on his shoulders and hit a nasty base bomb on the apron. Another spot was a top turnbuckle triangle-style Spanish fly from Gringo. There we go, where even I was trying to place the move and do... Listen, a top turnbuckle triangle style which is where he jumps across the ropes spanish fly so yeah <laughs> this is why this is why i don't write the shit down because it's just too much and even if i do say it for you to picture it in your head is just a lot so uh <clears throat> minute 17 and both men are exhausted from earning their paychecks it was a great match and a great first title defense it reminds me of jordan oliver's first defense against mance warner where it was just a brutal marathon also with the amount of time that they put into this match same thing oliver and mance's match was uh close to the 20 minute mark plus gringo rolled up blake for three perch didn't see blake because he had a rope break the whole time fans went fucking nuts they're pounding the ring they think gringo won gringo was getting his hand raised blake starts protesting with perch fans are showering the ring with money then all of a sudden adam galt runs out to the ring he calls perch over and he starts talking to him so then he tells perch we find out that there was a legit rope break Perch takes the belt away from Gringo, and Gringo is confused. He basically explains that, no, you did not have the win. There was a rope break, and they restart the match. The fans went nuts, and they booed so hard. And that was the part of the story. It was so beautiful. So then Blake hits Gringo with the belt and hits Perch in the face. Galt then comes in and fills in for referee as Perch was out. Both men were now wrestling in the money that was thrown into the ring because they thought the match was over. Brett was basically playing with our emotions. That's the only way to put it. This was basically chaos from the restart. Gringo goes for a top rope moonsault and connects with the referee. 
And now that Galt is out, now we have two referees down. Here comes Max Recon out as our referee. This chaos is just beautiful. So we're going into the final stretch here. We had new champ chants from the crowd. They were fully behind um, Gringo at this point. Blake grabs a chair at the 22-minute mark. Perch is still down. Blake grabs Gringo's head and puts it in a chair. Fans are like, no. He goes for the knee, but Gringo moves. Gringo up to the top rope and misses Blake. Falls legs first into the chairs. This places Gringo's head into a chair. There was a foot stomp onto the chair. Blake covers for three. Our winner here, Blake Christian with those nasty foot stomps. I wouldn't call it a foot stomp, but nasty kick into the chair there. The nasty boot. Would that be the way to put it? The nasty boot into the face? The asshole boot of his. The asshole boot. Yes. It was a good match. Uh, I don't go into the referee spot. As much as, like, once Blake Christian beat up Scarlett Donovan, once he's pushed all these other referees and everything, I got mad once I found another referee came to help him out. Like, unless it's going to turn into, like, uh, Adam Galt being the Nick Patrick of GCW, which would be kind of fun to see and interesting with him refereeing some of these matches with Blake uh-huh. Christian, if that's what it turned into. I'm all for that. I was like, why are they coming out and helping Blake? Like, fuck it. Like, I, I don't know. That's where I kind of didn't like it. it was like, you you played up at the beginning of whole Blake's heel turn and he's going to beat up the referees and then his first title defense, he gets saved by a referee. I don't Interesting. know how I felt about that. Other than that, I, though, think- I felt fun. Like, if if it wasn't, like, if they just missed it and then, like, hey, the, they restarted the match or something else, like, I wouldn't have been fine with. But I didn't like how the referee came to stick up for Blake. I thought it just should have been, like, no, it's over. Interesting. Uh, well, it was the right thing to do since we're yeah. good guys. Fuck the right. I, I see that. <laughs> but if we fucked him over, we would then be bad guys. It's all right. Ah, see, and then a bad guy turned someone else bad. We're all outlaws here. We're all out. That's true. We're all outlaws here. I like storyline. I loved it. It made sense, but like, and it's cool, but like, I just, I didn't like that. Like how the referee came. Unless, like I said, unless it turns into Adam Galtz and Nick Patrick and both do some shady shit to help out uh Blake Christian on accident. But even if it's like on accident, you know, like and then the fans just start turning on him or the wrestlers start <laughs> turning on him. And then then he finally does have that like that one big moment where he kicks Nick Gage in the nuts and then does a fast count for Blake for three, then it makes sense. But I don't know. And I loved the overbooking of it. I loved all the fucking referees having to come out and you just never knew when it was gonna end. It felt freaking attitude era WWE for sure. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I actually did like it. Well, yeah, hard-fought defense. Great first defense. The the fans are booing and the money's still flying in the fucking ring. That says a lot right there. You don't see that too often. Usually when fans are booing, they're mad. They don't want to be throwing money in the ring. That's the last thing they want to do is be mad, but also being like, thank you, but I hate you. Um, I make sure to throw all my money towards Gringo, not Blake. There you go. Yeah, like stuffing in his shorts or some shit. <laughs> but yeah, the fans are mad. Fingers are up. Commentary was quiet as we hear the fans boo. Prazak does announce that the next show is in Huntsville, Alabama, and we're out from Chicago. Something I wanted to just kind of mention here for a minute was once again, Commentary knew when to be quiet. After Prazak made the announcement, there was a good 30 seconds or more where there was no commentary. It was just 
the fans at home listening to the fans in the arena boo the ever-loving hell out of Blake. So the trick here is they just wanted to do nothing but hear Blake get booed, booed out of the building for being a heel. It's solidifying your heel. It was very smart, and it's it's old school. It's the right way to do it. Shut the fuck up. Let your dude get his heat. I will. Okay, now I'm going to be the bad guy here. I have to kind of say one, one negative I found. Okay. Was from Dave Prezak once Ringo got the initial pin. Like, I think Dave should have went ballistic. Oh my God, we got a new champ. But like he right away, Blake's foot was on. That is that a three? Okay. I guess we haven't. Like, and there was no excitement at all. I, I got felt. you. I it got took you. like that moment away, like took the sales out of the wind real fast for me. We're like, I think that's one of those instances where like you don't acknowledge that at first. Like, Maybe you was like you go crazy, do it, and then like maybe once a replay hits, then you say something. But he said it like right away before any replay. And yes, it was obvious. I get it. I yeah. just think it took that moment away. Like as a fan at home, I'm like, oh, this is like right away. I was like, this is going to get turned over. Like the way that they're not getting excited for for Gringo local. Well, like, they also not... had a camera right there too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just think I just think Excuse it kind of took away what could have been a pretty fun special moment and a real like even more over the top. We hate you, Blake, because now once the referee comes out and we have the talk, then we reset it. But in uh, watching on Fight TV, like in person, like sounded like right away, like no one knew. Not maybe not no one, but like a lot of fans, they didn't. They just went off the three count, and the fans reacted how it should have been. I just wish it would have came out that way on Fight TV. But like I said, uh, that's a little nitpicky thing here that I that kind of took the moment away from me as a fan where I thought it right away took my thinking that Blake, uh, that Gringo won real fast out of my, that thought out of my head real fast. Was he expressing confusion or you're just yeah. saying there was a lack of? <laughs> it was confusion at right away. Like he goes like, oh, there's, there's a three count. But Blake's foot was on the rope. We'll see if this stands. Like he said it like that right away. Where right? I think like, and you got a new champion, Gringo Loco. Wow, like blah blah blah. And then like all of a sudden, like wait a minute, what's the referee? And then you can see the replay. And then like his goddamn foot's on the rope. Like Emil did a good job of covering. It's like, hey, I hate to right. be the bearer of bad news, kind of thing. But Blake did have his foot up. Like Emil, I think did a good job of kind of reining it in. But it just should have. I think that. It should have been expressed like loudly at the beginning to the excitement for Gringo Loco's victory at that time. And, and then we found out that, hey, the sales get taken out of our or the wind taken out of our sales, whatever. Later on, it said it was right away, in my opinion. That's <laughs> all. Like, that's all. Like, I, like I said, right away, once I saw heard it, I was like, oh, like they're going to turn it over. Where if I heard excitement, I'd be excited, too. It's like, oh, they, they didn't catch it. They're going to go on with it. And then showed a replay later. Then we could start this match over. But overall, it was good. I, I like I said, I did like. It was the, a nice swerve. Yeah, total. And then like, even when the second referee got knocked out. Oh no, no, Perch got knocked out the first time, right? Right, Perch. And yeah, then Galt, the Galt got knocked Galt the out the second time. Yeah. Then and I was Max like, oh, maybe in. we have a chance here of maybe getting a new champion. But he's gonna run. I think like I was thinking maybe he's gonna run out of referees, and then we get Scarlet to come out. And to kind of totally screw Blake over, which I uh, I do oh. want to see how that's going to work out in the future if if she does any more Blake's matches because she hasn't done any of Blake's matches since she got beaten up. So I think when it first happens, I, that's going to be my first thought of oh shit, is this going to be oh, the moment it. that Blake loses? Yes. yes, that would be great. The title defense, the title defense of his career, and then out walks the referee. 
Well, it'd be fun too. Like Probably. if Adam Galt is like the Blake Christian referee, helps Blake, and then all of a sudden, like he helps him one time. Scarlet comes out, kick Adam Galt in the nuts, and then now she's interfering, and she screws Brett. I think, or, or screws oh, wow. Blake. I think that'd be a cool, cool way to end that. I don't know. It was a great match. This in ring was awesome. Fans brought it, and I thought this was a great overbooked ending that kept, as you said, kept our excitement and had me questioning of who are we going to going to get a new champion or not. And the fans delivered, and I thought this was a great way to end the show from Chicago with Gringo Loco. And it's cool, Gringo got that moment of, "Hey, I'm the champion in front of his uh-huh. own fans." So at least he got that moment, even if it was for a quick minute or two. And I thought that was a cool little spot too for him. So here we go. So Prazak mentioned we're going to Huntsville next. I looked it up. Chicago to Huntsville, Alabama is a nine and a half hour drive. Okay. So follow me here. These guys got done at what? 10, 11 o'clock at night. And then they either stayed in a hotel and drove the next day and did the show same day. Or they drove overnight nine and a half hours to Huntsville. I don't know what it was, but think about that. Their now, second show, it's their second Chicago show in Talia Hall 2 this year. That's good. I'll give them that much, though. I mean, if it fills but up, like, it fills up. You, like, but they get you know. NGI, they get two Talia Halls, they probably got another Chicago. They're going to get GCW four yeah, times in Chicago one market. year. Like, in, But Vegas, we get like one, and we have to fight for that one. It's like, I, I do wish there would be I think. Two. I think Vegas is a standard one. If we get a second one a year, I think we're lucky. Um, part of it's the fans. Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Vegas fans aren't always the most electric. Like we've went to shows and seen where the fans, they politely watch in Vegas. So it's almost like we need the double or nothing crowd to come in from all over the world to go, oh shit, GCW's here. And then Las Vegas looks like a bigger wrestling town uh i i i just think if we especially after this last show like if we can turn in that kind of show and that energy like but we get once a year and freaking as you said huntsville alabama gets two shows a year if not more it's like i i, I think yeah yeah we bring more money and we bring just so much energy i think than they do i don't know not that it's like just us i just think it's so fast, like the turnaround. Like we've said this multiple times, where that's also taken away from the specialness of this Talia Hall. Like I kind of don't want them to go back to Talia Hall until not even the next show, like till next year, oh, like at now. least a year. You, nice. if you go too much, it takes it away. I'm gonna have to cover Talia's ears. I don't uh, want Talia hearing that. I, I'm not saying Chicago no, doesn't deserve these you. shows. Chicago deserves the shows. They, hey, do they have a they great sold fan it out, base. I believe. Yeah, they have a great yeah. fan base all the time. I think. I just it's just frustrating that we fight for out here in Vegas for one show a year and then we deliver and then seeing their second trip in six months. It's just it's frustrating. That's all. Oh, well. you know what I'm waiting for? Phoenix. I'm waiting to see Phoenix and I'm waiting for San Diego. Well, I do have I'm still waiting for. Uh Oh, what? Well, my friend, like my friend that out in Arizona, like he has like a building that he would. He wants to talk with Brett to set up the first Arizona show, and they would run a run their show in that building. They ran a couple different wrestling shows there, like the Hoods. Huh. They ran a Hood Slam show there, um, I think, or they're going to run a Hood Slam show, I think, coming up. But they've done other wrestling shows, and they get like pretty good turnouts, and it's fun. So, like, if Brett's like looking for a venue that might be uh, willing to do some glass and stuff, uh, do have a contact that could reach out with a pretty good venue. Yeah, I would tell uh, have Sheik talk to Brett about the venue. 
Well, that's why like yeah. the person that kind of is works at that venue's like, hey, we're working with Hood Slam, and hope we're hoping that they put in a good word with GCW. So um, they kind of do uh, have hoping for the same thing of Chic to kind of speak up and get GCW down there as well. Alrighty, well, yeah, I was the only reason I mentioned the whole Chicago to Huntsville things a nine and a half hour drive is you have people like Hunter Drake who probably drove nine and a half hours to get there. Mm-hmm just to turn around and drive nine and a half hours back. So we're talking a 19 hour trip round. So, and it started earlier, I think the next nights, like the next couple of shows, they started earlier in the day too. Uh, yeah, I know Sunday for sure. They started earlier. I think they started an hour earlier on Saturday than they did the Friday show, but uh, okay. Well, they did start earlier though. You know what I mean? So the yeah. time did compound. Uh, I don't know. I, now that I've found a hotel that I kind of like, and now that I've learned how, like, it's only half an hour to 45 minutes from the hotel we stay at to the beach. Now that I realize, dude, dude, listen, I know you're not big around people. I know, you know what I mean? I'm not really huge around crowds of people. We have a place where we can actually go to the beach and it's like quiet. You I can go down and pass out. Oh, do you? I hate, I hate the beach just because I hate no sand. No shit, really. If there's uh, no sand or just water, I'm in. I, I hate the sand. No kidding. Like, yeah. not even like, well, because you lay on a towel and stuff, but I'm not, not even then. You're like, it. fuck it. it yeah. No kidding. Oh, man. Let me tell you. <laughs> I could pass out there. And I was, I've never done that before. I was like, I could pass out here. And I always thought that like forests and stuff was my shit. And now I'm like, wow the beach actually is really relaxing when i don't hear people like we were we were where there wasn't really many people damn it's nice so now we found (laughs) a place to go we're gonna try to go there again next time we're out out in la so we're hoping that at this point we now have a hotel and we have a favorite little beach and we're hoping to make that little trip every time now fingers crossed yeah, if you like the beach, obviously you want a spot that you're away from everyone. So that way you can just enjoy that you said the peace and quiet. I can well, definitely we appreciate that. Well, uh, dude, no, I'm not kidding. Like it was just water and the birds. And you have to understand me. Like I'm not big on like I'll come home from a show and just be wrecked from all the sound. You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, um, sometimes it'll be hours before I'll turn a TV or anything on because I can just sit there and quiet and like play on my iPad or fuck around on my phone without even having a TV or radio or anything on. I'm, I can work in quiet like all day. I prefer the opposite. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. But so this was a good one. Uh, Want to run down some memorable moments, me and you? Yes. Memorable mm-hmm. moments of... Oh, I must have thanked me later. That was the other show. Uh, ride or die. Ride go or first? die. Yeah, I'll make it easy. I like the cartwheel eras. Uh, Ares match. Oliver Commander. McKingo Metalik. And Blake and Gringo. All for their own various reasons that I described earlier in the show without having to go over everything again. Solid show, loud crowd, GPW doing a great job trying to pick up some of that excitement on their microphones. I love the venue. To me, I consider it a classy place. There was 
a lot of star power on this card. And I think it was also the most star power that was on the card all weekend. So I thought this was a great start to the uh, weekend. And I also think that the Chicago fans really made it a great start to the weekend. They really showed up and it was, it made it nice. Yeah. I, like I said, Chicago absolutely deserves multiple shows a year. Their crowds are always hot. And like, I do like the Talia Hall, but I don't want to see it twice every single year. Um, and only see Vegas one time. That's my only, only problem. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. Like, I have no problems with Chicago or their crowd or anything. I just, I don't know why they get two. Or the Huntsville, Alabama gets two shows and Vegas gets one. But anyway, uh, yeah, I'll go kind of match my match like I always do. Bang Bros with the surprise upset uh, over the team of Alec Price and Cole Radic was a surprise to me. I do like seeing the team of Alec Price and Cole. I want to see more wrestlers that are going to, if they're regulars, so instead of just being thrown into scramble every time, maybe work them in, see what happens as a tag team and see if they get chemistry and do some stuff. I don't think they even see like a side, I don't know, like Cole and Alec, they're on every show. Like they could even be rival, rival rivals with each other, do something I, like storylines. I, I see like story, that idea. Storylines with the regulars. I like that rivalry idea. Yeah. I mean, they, like kind of like Cole and starting to like based off win losses starting to fall out of like the GCW uh, the honeymoon kind of aspect of what he was killing it out in TOS and out in AC and with Alec Price elevating his game and coming up uh, that would be a cool like thing story you could tell between those two about Alec Price stealing the spotlight from Cole and kind of Cole grabbing and fighting to keep that spotlight. Uh, next one Jack Harbaugh Arez. Fun, incredible, incredibly innovative match. As you said, a lot of unique moves and Arez being the king of that right now was cool to see Jack Carver with the victory, which is good to see him get, uh, keeping that momentum going. Uh, nice to see Lufisto back in GCW and picking up the victory over the Robert Anthony, their new heel whenever Cardona's not here. Like, I don't know. I just think he's a perfect <laughs> fit in. Like, like, same thing, though. Like, when Blake's not there, slide Charles Mason in. You got, you're still... Your mega asshole, and slide Cardona in, slide Robert Anthony in. I do like how they've been having the heels be very heelish lately and uh, getting major heat from the crowd. Jordan defending the JCW title against Commander was awesome. I definitely would like to see that match ran back and especially with get a little more, more chemistry between the two. That was a fun match. Basisos and Rena beating the, I like how you called it, SGC. Uh, Rejects? I do like that. I like that. Yeah, name a the lot. SGC Rejects. Did they say that on commentary and I just missed it? Yes. Oh, okay. I just missed it. Okay. I do like that name, though. Uh, I'll give you credit since you're the first one I actually heard say it. That was a fun match. <laughs> get the fuckery going and get the crowd uh, excited with all the movements and everything else that fighting in the crowd that they that team did. Scramble was fun seeing Bobby Flacco, Hunter Drake, Kenzie, Teriyaki, Starboy with the victory. Uh, as you said, another victory for him to keep them his momentum going. Joyer Wreck beating Bussy was a fun, yeah. <laughs> fun, crazy, a lot of fuckery match. I think that was a perfect spot for that match. As you said, maybe even after Vikingo versus Metalik, I just wish there was a winner on that match. I just hate being invested for 20 minutes and not getting a win. The worst was the worst one I ever, I think this is what made me think this way. I sat through Matt Taven versus Jay Lethal and Ring of Honor for 60 fucking minutes, and there was no fucking winner. Like, I was so <laughs> livid then. Uh, Even though that was fun and there was a bunch of shenanigans, it was fucking uh-huh. crazy. I, but there was no fucking winner. Like, goddamn. That's, that's that right there, what you're uh, saying. 
is the storyline. The storyline matters. Yeah, and I it really did get one that night. So uh, isn't that funny? Yeah. Now, outside of tickets and money, doesn't matter who wins and loses. I know. Especially, I mean, mind. you know, what I mean, isn't that interesting though? How how people like there's different ways of thinking from a hundred different perspectives, from the promoter to the wrestlers to the fans. I can't stand when there's a marathon match and there's no ending. Like at least this one makes sense. Minute match, like a sixty-minute match with Ric Flair that goes to a draw. I'm like, come the fuck on, really? I just sat here and jerked off for sixty minutes and got nothing for it. Come on, dude, really? And they moved that that Taven match I was talking about, the Matt Taven versus Jay Lethal. Like that was, I thought that was gonna be the main event of that Ring of Honor show, and it was like the first match or second match of the night. It was like, what the fuck? And it just kept like it was an Iron Man match. It was just a regular match, and it went freaking sixty minutes. It was it was insane, but didn't like you said. It was over. There's a draw. That's it. Next match. Like there was nothing to it. At least this huh. one made sense where Blake Christian came and fucking ruined it to get the crowd on him and get ready for the next match. This one did make sense to a little bit, but um, I still Damn, hated man. not having a winner. Yeah. Still hated not having a winner in this match of Vikingo and Meta League. And Blake Christian, first title defense, Gringo Loco. I loved the overbookness of it. It made him look like a chicken shit heel champion, and it made Gringo look really good, where Gringo maybe won it two different times and never really actually did win it. So I, it made Gringo look good, and it teased us fans of getting Gringo Loco finally that first piece of hardware from GCW that I know you've been saying he deserves well. And I, I agree, too. After seeing all the belts he has now and all these other companies, it kind of doesn't feel right him not holding one in GCW at the moment. But overall, a fun show to piggyback off of L.A. as we kind of thought that was a little bit down show. This show delivered. It had a lot of bigger names, a lot of great action. Talia Hall and Chicago fans stepped up. And overall, I enjoyed this match. I enjoyed this whole card pretty well on Friday night. I, I, I thought it was going to be hard to follow, and I, I think it kind of was the best card of the three this weekend. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was kind of a weird placement, but oh well, just take it as it is. And um, yeah, I thought it was a great card um, to, as you said, start off the weekend. But I think this was also the card of the weekend. Yeah, some of these matches I really could have used on our LA show. <laughs> Not gonna lie, so, yeah. You know, when I started, like Oliver versus Commander, we didn't have either of them on our show. You know, just Vikingo Metalik would have went over like crazy in LA. So yeah, ones like that. I just. I don't know. I remember when I was reading down what's at Chicago, our last, our last <laughs> I remember. episode, I was like, I was ready to cry. I'm right. Like, damn. I agreed but, with you once I heard it, too. I was like, God, dang, how's that not an L.A. show? Yeah, man. Incredible. But um, the next L.A. show is August 11th, and um, I'm sure they're going to show out for that one. I'll tell you why. It's because ticket prices were higher than the average. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know if you saw that. I'm not going, but, so I didn't even look. Uh, it's normally seventy nine ninety nine, right? Uh, that sound about right. Yeah, or like 80, 70 something. or eighty. 70. These tickets were like eighty five, so it makes me think that maybe someone's coming in. It's the week before homecoming too. Oh, is that homecoming part one? So it's not part one. They mistyped it on their calendar that they had out. Sure. That one that I saw, they had it just mistyped. Okay. So what uh, is it both then? Nice just a regular show? Regular show the week before homecoming. Okay, okay. But still, should set complain. up hopefully some good stories and good stuff to set up 
Homecoming. I think it will be a pretty big show. Like I said, I, I this is one of these ones I think I'm going to regret not going to, but um, if Vikingo gets added against Jordan, I will be there. So that one. By, the, the new match, I want to see. Like, glad to see Leo Rush back. Wait, Leo Rush so, versus Vikingo. So if you put your clothes in your car and you leave it, what, three? Uh, from like uh, 3.35. 3.35. So let's I got there right at bell time last time. If you leave at 3.45 and it takes four and a half hours to get there, you will probably get here around bell time or so. Yeah. You will have to literally piss in bottles <laughs> instead of stopping anywhere. But you, I stopped no, honestly, time. honestly, if you really tried, dude, you could make it. And you know, the I first could, one's but... either going to be a scramble or, you know. Yeah, I walked in at the the scramble on that one, too. I, I It's the first week of school, though. I'm going gotcha. to be exhausted. It, it's that it doesn't no, have you. good time. I get you. Like I said, the only way I will fucking drag my ass out there and be tired of shit and spend the money if I get like a Vikingo versus Jordan match, then I will go. But as of right now, I think this is going to be one that we miss just based off of timing and I get that. Yeah. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, I stopped complaining about the Las Vegas shows after I got comfortable in LA. Yeah. Uh, that's a wild crowd. I won't go <laughs> through that too much, but I, I, everything you were talking about that crowd now, I get it. It's a wild bunch. They have a good time. It's just a couple that go a little silly, but. And I had yeah. some discourse. Uh, it was pretty funny too. We saw it during the week. I saw it during the week. I don't know if you did or not. What's that? Some discourse on the, the people with the alcohol and stuff uh i saw uh you're talking what lauren was saying yeah or? yeah um, and like the back and forth that they had with that i i think i read a chunk of it this morning when there was only like five or six messages i i'm guessing it went way further than that not too much so okay okay yeah um just a couple people mess it up i mean like i said maybe uh maybe everyone gets a ticket and they're entitled to three beers or a bucket with three in it and i don't know I don't know, but there's like people with self-control are trying to figure out how to control people with no self-control. Wow. What a great way to say it though. Yeah. That's what it is. People like us with self-control are like, how the hell do we control these people who are out of control? Which I, I, again, I really hope there's a blacklist. Like if the same guy keeps getting in, like he's getting in and keeps allowing to do the shit he's pulling, then all you're doing is reinforcing that it's okay to do it. So maybe certain people shouldn't be allowed to come to the shows because they're ruining it for the one shit customer in GA is fucking up 30 fans, 30 paying customers. Like maybe you should just get rid of the one virus so that the 30 to 50 paying customers don't have to be bugged. Oh yeah. And your one paying customer is such a dick that people are sitting around and talking online about him for the next fucking week. We should be talking about these awesome fucking matches that went down and we're too busy talking about a fucking guy who's snatching shit off of wrestlers heads. That's a problem. That really is. That's taking away from Twitter space that could be used for, Hey, look at this fucking awesome match. Hey, look at these awesome fucking pictures, you know, Instead, we're looking at, hey, look at this huge dumbass who keeps getting, you know, keeps pissing off people left and right. Yeah. I'm not really sure I saw him kicked out, honestly. I know Brett said that he was kicked out a minute later. Uh, maybe. I don't know uh, if I really saw him leave. I but, saw someone up top. But, <laughs> but, uh, well, you know, so yeah. 
but yeah, if there's certain people that do this multiple times, they need to go on a list. Come on. I mean, at this point, ask for their IDs when you kick them out and be like, thanks. It's good. We know your name now. You're not coming back here. Yeah, luckily, too, like uh, the Patreon list, they do have a lot of the stuff, too, where they could kind of if they needed to go through and figure out uh, that that situation, that information, because um, I mean, it's it's out there. It's on the, the Patreon. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, we I don't have how, i forgot how it started <laughs> we have oh before i forget we have two reviews to do yet and then we don't have another show until july 4th yeah that's the next gcw show so we'll do what we can to make sure we paste these out some um but we have about a week we have a week to push out two more episodes on top of this one and uh we've both had we both have time actually this week i'm not gonna lie i have time this week to do it so. Um, I'm on summer vacation for the next couple of weeks, so I am trying to take advantage of that. Hence why yep. I'm getting all the video stuff done and yes. kind of messing around with some stuff to hopefully make it all better while I have the time because <laughs> I won't have that time much longer. No, that's good because if you put in all this work now, get it set up, we work out the kinks. When school comes around for you and you're back to doing your live. thing, it'll be automatic, just automatic. Okay, turn it on, go live. That's it. You download the file, you do the whole thing there. I mean, finished. We've, yes, you've and got it, this. You've got this. And anyone out there, any uh, other improvements or anything else that you would like to see or uh, be done with the move to video with the audio or anything else, that please set out suggestions on our Twitters. Hit us up and uh, we will take any and all that uh, into consideration. Because like I said, we're, as you said, I want to, when we get this, just have it going and boom, get it done right the first time and be set up for future episodes for move to live. And I think, like I said, today was our first test one. We cut off halfway through with the, the live video, but I think it was good enough for us to see where we are and test it and um, notice that everything sounds good, works good and looks good. So uh, yeah, once we get these graphics and it's all gonna look better, we will be moving this to YouTube. Like I said, we might even do special like after show, like quick, quick thoughts, quick reviews, quick analysis of it. And then later on in the week, we'll do our regular podcast and everything else. And uh, we'll try to do uh, some more YouTube stuff and get the fans involved with the chats and all that stuff and hear their thoughts and opinions. And like I said, please send suggestions of what you'd like to see or hear or be done differently as we move into our next phase of the podcast. And speaking of hearing people out there for the first time can actually hear me a lot better. It's like, we're actually talking with each other back and forth room and like almost in the same room now so i'm not just on fm radio anymore and i'm, <laughs> I'm really happy no you know what i mean on my end i'm always like damn you know I'm yeah and at some point that that works out for me and then boom now i'm able to be heard a lot clearer that could be good that could be bad but it does improve the overall quality of the show for us. So hopefully people are hearing now that uh, at least I'm clear, you're gonna hear audio improvements on say breathing. You're gonna see that there's going to be just other stuff. It's just going to sound a lot better. So those changes are being made now. You're gonna hear probably some more changes coming. We're doing what we can as we learn. And yeah, we're just, we're 100% fans. We're not 100% techies. We're figuring it out. But yeah, B, you have time off. You're doing that. I have time off. I'm going to be getting the rest of those reviews done. And then as soon as we can, I don't know, a day or two, we'll probably sit down again and pump another one out. Yeah. Like I said, we got two more to do until 4th of July. So uh, 
Yeah. And then we got that 4th of July show. And then I forgot their schedule after that. I think I could quickly pull it up, but I don't think it's too, let's see, 4th of July. And then, no, oh, they're back on. Never mind. We're busy till the end of the July. They have yeah. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight shows in July. Two oh, shows. shit. Do you see that one where Japan, it's 14th? Like four, yeah. It's 14th and then it's 20th. 17th, 18th, 19th, and 20th. We're talking see now. I know but remember, those are Japan shows. They're going to be like major. two hours. Yeah, not only that, but some of them may be more of the minor shows sometimes. You know how they have those minor? Yeah. I'll probably get Kasai. I'm pretty sure we're going to get Kasai. Oh, that's, that's what this whole thing was for, was for yeah. Kasai. That's... Yeah, I mean, imagine if he shows up, brought him all the way across. Oh, Don't tell me this, because are you going to say L.A.? I'm thinking, of, like, because June's going to show up in L.A., do some cool shit to surprise everybody out in L.A. Oh, yeah. I'll be pissed then. That's when I'll be pissed. That'll be my FOMO. Because the last time I didn't go to an L.A. show, and I'm actually funny on my watch along, I'm watching it right now, is the Shooting Star show where... Uh, Los Pacisos went against, went against East West Express. The last time I didn't go to LA show, that's the fucking matchup I missed. My four favorite wrestlers in GCW in a match, I missed that one. And if I miss this one, it's gonna let's just throw in my one of my favorite deathmatch wrestlers, Jun Kasai, and add that to my fucking missing out list. Wow. Well, fingers crossed to hope for the best, but I'm a big fan of going to the show that's right before the big show. Because, you know, that's where everybody's setting up the last storylines to get that money in before the big show. So generally, you're going to see almost everybody that's going to be on the pay-per-view, WWE style, for free on Raw, the show before the pay-per-view. So you can actually catch outside of the uh, outside of the ending. You can catch your favorite stars for free you know, the show before. So. I think LA will be good because I, I see Cardona being there only because Cardona will have something to do that weekend. Hopefully. You know what I mean? Gage, same thing. We'll probably see Gage, Maki. Well, they've already actually said that Gage Maki, and Maki yeah. will be there. Um, Masha. Uh, so uh, hoping to see who else comes out there. I'm excited to see. I For some reason, I mean, I, I don't know. Gosh, this sounds bad. But I mean, after this championship run with masha i'm surprised they're still pushing her so much i don't know anyway okay well i, I, that, I don't that know that like, gives you a little but i don't know here's what i found here's what i found people are in love with her coming out they're in love with going masha's gonna kill you but then when it's come tums come blah, 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 when it comes time to watch the match there's a lot of dead spots where fans are like well okay it just happens every time and i i don't know sorry i, don't know I'm looking, I was looking at the that for the Nick Gage, see if they said it was in action or just returning. He's just returning. I don't. I guess I, I've always liked Masha. I think she is some different. I just didn't her the title reign. I I wasn't too thrilled with, and and just didn't kind of make sense and felt rushed and thrown together just for the sake of. It. I thought there could have been a bigger name with uh, that one that tournament or not that tournament that won that Rumble to the cash the Ride or Die whatever tournament that was Ride or Die Rumble. I just think there could have been other options, but. It's neither here nor there. I'm not the booker in. It worked out for them. And she had a pretty, she had fun matches well, for the most well. part. Like her, Mike Bailey, her and Rena was awesome. I like those first two title defenses. I really 
was happy for. Can't argue that. And Can't like the last that. one, that match with Rena was fucking probably one of the craziest death matches I've seen this year. That's just in general. Even though it was yeah. a cage of survival, I did think the violence and just that match alone was insane. So I'm not going to shit on her Ryan too much. There was parts of it I didn't like or agree. I wasn't too enthusiastic with, but with Blake, there's a lot more options now. And I um, like like where they could possibly go with all these options with Blake as champion. If GCW felt like they had a long-term star right now, Gage would have lost to that long-term star, and they would have made him look strong for beating Gage. I hope you followed everything I just said there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they had one guy, one, that they could put that belt on and elevate him, they would have done that. The person that beat the great god Nick Gage on his last ever championship run lost the fucking belt after less than two months. No push whatsoever. They could have put it on someone and made him look like Superman for the next six months. Even Blake, Blake would have was the one that do that. Imagine how much heel he he would get with that. Like that would have it would have just it. compounded. Yeah, it would have just compounded into something just crazy yeah yeah i'm see and then he could have come out every fucking show and been like i'm the one that ended the king's reign i killed the king and then it sets up like a future championship with jordan as being nick's protege bro i've been giving out bombs like these for free the whole (laughs) past year he could have really blake really could have used that gauge title win to do exactly that but instead my son comes downstairs and goes well it looks like they kind of gave it to her and that's what somebody who just you know doesn't know shit but shows up to the live shows that's what it comes across like on tv you know gauge out there smashing leo rush smashing fucking people left and right and gets his shit kicked in by that's another name i will show up if i see leo rush versus jordan or leo rush versus vikingo in la i'll go to that i'll fucking be dead ass tired and show up to that match that's for sure that's enough i'm glad to see leo rush back though i want to see more speedball back too since he's back in the states i want to see more of him and gcw because that's another one too i think that should be up there for world title or gcw world title in my opinion okay just for fun just for fun ready you're the booker for just a moment i need you to find a long-term tag team partner for speedball you can go through the good old GCW regulars. Feel free. I, I, I mean, I'd have to say Jordan, but I don't want that to be like a tag team. Um, I mean, I love that as a tag team, but I think that would be the easiest and quickest way because like their chemistry is pretty good. Um, yeah. I would have seen Janai Kai in Speedball would be pretty funny based on the karate and shit. Now that's that's actually kind of interesting. Um, okay, how about? Let's just have fun, Ninja Mac. He's not around very often, but okay. Put him with no. See, I'd say put him with Commander, but Commander's just like the whole fucking show. Like he's an RVD kind of. He doesn't really need a tag team. He was with Ares though, and that was cool. But that's because Ares is unique. Yeah, I saw Speedball and Gresham kind of teamed up a little bit on Impact. I think it was just recently. I don't want to say just this last weekend or something. And they like actually look pretty good as a tag team, Speedball and Gresham. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what they could do. I don't think Speedball is a tag team competitor, but I wouldn't mind seeing like if I liked him with East West. I yeah, did. They, I actually they had liked fun him there. with East West. Uh, he's an ultra face. 
So you almost have to put him with other faces and yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's like you can't put him with Macisos. No. <laughs> like the you know the white guy coming out. And like, oh yeah, and no, it just wouldn't fit. Axton Ray, that'd be a good one too. Axton Ray and Speedball, they had a they had a good match. You know, Shit, that's all. That was almost the last year, look. wasn't that the great American Bash from last year? Was Speedball? You know, we haven't Axton seen Ray? Axton in a while. Wonder where he's at in the world. Yeah, that's true. Maybe the I, next uh, Jersey event or something. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to see here. What was last year's Fourth of July? The big bash was uh, Speedball and Action Ray. I was right. Wow. And Takeshita. I was kind of worried. Was that the Takeshita Speedball? But no, Takeshita Speedball was in West Coast Pro, I think. Takeshita wrestled Cole Radrick that night. How cool we had Takeshita for a couple weeks. Oh, like, that's still that's another match. Takeshita Vikingo is one match I need to see like ASAP. That would. And Takeshita looked crazy uh, during Forbidden Door, too. He was really good. Wow. Forbidden Door. I still haven't seen Forbidden Door, but I just found out not too long ago that uh, Daniel Bryan broke his fucking arm and then wrestled another 10 minutes. I'm like, kind of like Tony did. Yeah. Tony with Zack Saber. Son of a bitch, though. And when he rode rode adrenaline for 10 extra minutes. Yeah, I think Deppin, Deppin said, like, he tweeted out, it's like, hey, like, it, you don't feel it at the beginning. It just feels like you have, like, a cramp in your forearm, like, the, for the first few minutes. And your adrenaline kicks into full overload because, hey, it's a fucking broken bone. And you don't feel anything during the match. But he says, like, right after the match is when you feel it. Oh, God. Oh, like, he had his similar, yeah, similar injury that he had with Zack Sabre. Unbelievable. All right. Poor guy. So so he'll be back soon, I'm sure. I haven't looked at Depp and stuff lately. I think he's got another month or two in him. Because that was a clean break. I mean You should really check good. out I don't know if like a uh, speedball show. They had a, a, a wrestling show at Tony Deppin's brewery. Yes. Uh, it's on YouTube. I bookmarked it. I want to watch it because it looks pretty fun. Like it looks it's not strictly wrestling, it's an entertainment show, but uh that looks like one of those fun like Japanese shows, like sometimes they wrestle like in the fucking restaurant for in front of ten people and they're doing okay. Some nice things to say. Number one, since I've been such a total, total <laughs> negative ass and have probably split a couple of the fans on my personal opinion, not 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 anybody else's. Um, I do want to thank everybody that's been listening because we have a lot of awesome people that are listening. We're closing in on a year soon. If uh, anybody has the chance, go back and check out some of our older episodes, but you're going to see a huge audio improvement in this episode from all the last ones. Also, the GC Dub podcast, just want to say hi to them. It's a monthly thing going on. They cover GCW and all the matches out there. It's a lot of fun. They just, uh, they don't go deep dive like we do. They talk about what they like and it's just, it's enjoyable. It's fun. And one of them's really learning more why the other one knows more knowledge. So it's kind of fun watching someone get slowly birthed into GCW little by little. So I just wanted to say hi to them and, you know, our listeners out there. So I don't know if there's anybody you wanted to say hi to or if there's anything you wanted to do, but I wanted to step into the positivity and out of the negativity. So, yeah, they shout us out. And like, yeah, it's, I, I listen to them, too, like when they do their quick reviews. And like you said, you get to see that as they start to learn more about the talent that they didn't know about. It's pretty fun hearing different perspectives of stuff that we've been co- watching and covering now for the year on the podcast. We've been watching and enjoying it for a while. Um yeah, one and, has been watching more than the other. 
And that's what makes it enjoyable is one catches the other up sometimes on things. And it's just, it's fun. Two fans are learning together. One's been watching obviously way more than the other. And that's what makes it fun. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I just want to shout them out. And um, Effie, I know he's been doing some stuff on your, on retweeting oh, your stuff on yes. our podcast. And I always want to shout him out. Like he's, he's amazing, just an amazing person. And um, I, I, that's so cool that he's able to do that kind of stuff for our podcast. And that's, that's just cool. Um, so hey. I want to shout him out too. No lie. No lie. Every single thing podcast related. He has been so kind to retweet and like almost all of it. I, I don't know if he's following me like specifically or if it's just coming up on his timeline, but he is very supportive of us and I'm really, really appreciative of it. We had a nice long talk and we kind of got at a level where we understood each other. And ever since then, he's like, listen, I love what you guys do. I support you guys. And he made good on his word. Ever since we had that conversation a month or two ago, every single day I can count on four or five retweets from Effie because just a genuinely nice motherfucker. And maybe that's not said enough. People think about talking about all these other things. How about just the man says he's going to do something and doesn't need to, but does it and sticks to his word. And uh, that's my opinion. So I just wanted to yeah. cut in there and say the thing. Oh, you you talked to him more than I have. So that's he's all I was laying out for you. Cause you, like I said, you talk to him, you know more about that than I do. I just hear about it from you. And then I see the, the retweets from him. So that's why I just wanted to shout him up. I know like he interacts with you a lot more. Little, little here, little there. <laughs> no, no, dude. I try to talk to as many people as I can off and on just saying thank you because our podcast is about us having fun. We would, of course, love to do something full time with GCW, but the enjoyment is all the relationships with the wrestlers on the side. Like I said, we go to the show and people are like, hey, dude, how are you doing? Like, it's nice to be known by some of the performers now. So, all right, man. So I think we did it. Was there anybody else you wanted to say night night to or goodbye to or thank you to or anything? It's about to be my son who's about to go to bed, but uh, <laughs> oh, uh, I know something real quick I haven't done for a while. Thanks to my family who was really awesome about staying quiet for sometimes five fucking hours while we record so that it's not loud. I'm appreciative for them. So we haven't really thanked our maybe I haven't thanked my family in a while. So I just want to say thanks to them because they fucking rock. Yes. Thank you for my wife to let me record up here with all that. And my son sitting up here quietly playing <laughs> as quiet as possible uh, with his video games. <laughs> awesome, man. Let's do this fucking thing. We, we really rock this one. All right. Let's send him out of here. Episode 66 GCW's. Oh my goodness, I forgot the name of it again. Was it Ride for Me? Oh my goodness. Yes, Ride for Me. This I lost off the top of my head and I closed the notes. Uh yeah, GCW's Ride for Me from Tally Hall, Chicago, episode 66. Good show. It was a fun show. Like I said, to cover. We talked a lot because there was a lot to go over. All right, let's let him just <laughs> right before we get to video. All right. Let's do it, baby. Ready? Long, Long live. live. Live G, G-, G- C W W. <laughs> oh my God! You and those fucking yes. 